Hello, welcome to episode 44 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, we have some um, horrible, sad news to start the podcast with. We have a member of the My Fancy Zamboni team sitting at a five-plus game for unsportsmanlike conduct at the moment. We are, of course, talking about the My Fancy Zamboni's own sleeping beauty, that is the toothless Mr. Gareth Dutton, who appears to have fallen asleep today uh, and has just not joined the call. So, Gref, um you know, we might have to think of some, some kind of forfeit for when he falls asleep. What do we think, gents? Oh, I'll, um, I'll think of one. <laughs> um, if you've got any ideas, let us know on the social media. I'll plug that later on because it's not the time of the podcast. But for now, we're joined by Dave and Andy. So, Dave, start with you. How are we doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Good, good. I'm not too bad. Uh, Penguins are losing one nil to Buffalo at the moment, so I'm not too com- I'm not too disappointed that Greth isn't on the podcast right now. That's but, not a bad thing. Uh, I've got my I've got my pillow. I've got my duvet. I- I'm ready for the podcast tonight. Yeah, try not to fall asleep this time, mate. I'll um, try not to. <laughs> and we have the uh, the wonder that is Mr. Andy Stafford joining us again. He's not in on his jollies in Czech Republic this time round. He's back. Uh, he's got some Stafford stories for us later on, but for the time being, Andy, how are we doing? Did you enjoy yourself in, in Czech Republic? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, it was, it was an absolute blast. Uh, didn't want to come home, to be honest. But yeah, One, um, one serious question, mate, and I've got to throw it straight up. How cheap was the beer? Talking about £1 a pint. It, it was incredible. Oh, did he oh, accept cash? Yes. The one place that did. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than what I found out how much they're charging in the arena in Lausanne. I can imagine. <laughs> four, what, were you, what are you finding out? Four or five pound for a three thirty mil four, 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 so it's five Swiss francs for four for sorry. Five Swiss francs there, trap up the TV. Five Swiss francs for a three hundred and thirty mil cup. Jeez. Did they accept cash? It's it's cashless. It's, it's cashless. cashless arena. Well. Yes. Horrendous. So Andy, we, what we can do is you can drink on the streets of Switzerland. We'll find a little fifty cents beers. We're fine. Sounds great. Just a little side note: my fancy Zamboni podcast do not do not um, endorse street side drinking. Um, we will swerve this swiftly back on topic, gents. Now that we've we've uh, had our introductions for the day, there's been um, there's been some hockey. It's quite nice to be back That's in the it. hockey season. No. Uh, it's amazing that in a hockey podcast there's been some hockey never thought in a million years baffling no, I, I thought this was a food podcast I did uh, well I mean I, do you know what I might not have put the poll on actually I don't think I put the poll on about pork pie and oh, sausage okay. oh you missed out yeah, you, mate, honestly, we'll put the poll out for next week. But for the time being, um, there has been some hockey. Um, the clan beat Nottingham twice, uh, once in overtime or shootout, I think. So Dave would have hedged his bets on that one. Um, Guildford beat Dundee, uh, and then Dundee beat Guildford. It was the other way around. But they both split the points, so that's uh, that's the main point there. And Fife beat Belfast after Belfast had beaten the day before. So a few split points in there. Good weekend for Glasgow again. So them show making a good bid for uh, for a high position already. Um, gents, oh, we'll, we'll, Dave, we'll start with you. What, what are your highlights for the week? So so my highlights, a little bit controversial in content. Um, Jin of Manchester. Um, that's not just what he was drinking on Sunday at the game. No, that was what I would drink inside night, um, amongst other stuff. But there's a lot of options you can drink. We don't endorse any type of alcohol. Uh, he made a Particularly couple. Not street think of children. Think of children. Oh, always, mate. Always. Um, he made a couple of very good saves amongst the rest of the bang average saves he made because it was all shot at him. Uh, but he play, made a really good pad save on the post. We had to, you know, spread very far and wide and, and 
a lot of good coverage to make the saves. Um, amongst, you know, I think it was just a couple of, of saves he had to really go above and beyond his own normal duties to get the win against Sheffield in the Challenge Cup. Um, so, yeah, that's, 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 I suppose this weekend that's my, um, my highlight. Sound. I'm not quite sure I like the way you described it. Izzy had to spread far and wide. It was one of them. He had to, he had to go spread eagle. For one of better phrases. It sound like some kind of 19-year-old backpacking student who's gone to Cambodia and spread far and wide across the world. He's just no, not, not Cambodia. stood in a net in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, Thailand, you've got to spread even further. However, no, he, he, was, he, he was covering all the posts and he, the, the, the play was well done by the Seals, left to right, and Jim followed it well, but it was with his leg. And I thought that of all the very bog standard saves he had to make that night um, because of the shooting straight at him that was a really top notch save that he made I will, we will add to that before I go to Andy's that to be fair Jin could only really play with what he was given um, which was a lot of chess shots but to be fair I think out of all the shots we had I think five I think what did we say before and probably five weren't shot at him and two of them went in so Maybe not the best day at the office for him, but you can only play with what you what, you can only play with what you're given. You can only play with the cards that you've been dealt. Um, Andy, what's your highlight of the week, mate? My highlight is John Dunbar's spinner armor backhand top shelf. What a finish! Uh, that was against the Dundee Stars. And to make it even more interesting, there was literally three Stars players triangling him, so he was in the middle of his triangle, and it was just such a smart awareness to think, you know what? There's three players in front of me here. I'm, I'm just going to shoot it. And it was a fantastic move and a fantastic goal as well. There's no chance for a blank. No chance at all. Beautiful goal. Yeah, it was certainly a very, very interesting, uh, certainly an interesting goal. Um, my opinion, more of a bid to be number one, uh, cause just because the, the finish was just sublime. But... Yeah, fully agree with you on that one. Uh, mine is the one that actually made it to the number one play this week. I'm going to be a homer again because we've got no gref, so I thought somebody's got to fill those boots. Um <sighs> down, gref. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Uh, but, well, to be fair, gref might have just said gin for making 60 saves over the week uh, on Saturday and not actually like looking at the shots. So, um, no, to be fair, I think Valorant's goal for the number one play of the week Um was a stellar play. Picked the pocket of Gleason Fournier, one of the best D-men that we've seen in the Elite League for a very, very long time. Uh, picks his pocket, makes it look nice and easy. Off to the races, break away on uh, on Ben Bounds. Just as he does, gets a nice big baseball swing to the uh, to the bum from uh, Gleason Fournier, who throws in a nice slash. Uh, but just to make it a little bit sweeter, he goes bar down, absolutely sublime finish again. Uh, and then Connolly goes and celebrates in Gleason Fournier face. So <laughs> all round went from a very, very nice little bit of play, very, very nice finish to quite a humorous end. So that that is my highlight of the week. I thought that the joking aside, very, very nice goal. Um particularly with the big slash that came in, kept his composure, um and what a shot. It was a great finish. And in fairness both the Dunbar finish was um no superb finishes. Both great sets of hands from both players. Um, just, just entertains. Oh, just entertains the punters, doesn't it? I thought Colin might have got decked by by um, Fournier, but he didn't. I, I was going to say, I think Fournier looked shocked that it was happening. Do you know what? It was another. There was another moment like that in the game, though. There was one where Eberle laid off an absolutely perfect hit. 
Um, he hit him shoulder to shoulder. The player turned into the boards as he went down. The player then got up, went to hit Eberle back, and ended up hitting Eberle to the head. Referee called him for a 2 plus 10. The player's like being escorted to the penalty box by the linos, and he's like giving a bit of mouth to Eberle. And Eberle just turned around and gave him this wave as in, see you in 12 minutes, sunshine. You know, like there was no like, it was literally <laughs> just like, it was just composure. It was, yeah. It was literally, it was enough, for my eyes, I know that you, you said you were 50-50 on it, Dave, or you, you thought it might have been a bit of a bad hit from Eberle, but I, my eyes was shoulder to shoulder hit, but he turned into the boards from the hit. Um, but then he'd obviously not liked the hit. He got up, hit Eberle back, got the call, and then Eberle just waved at him as in, he played that one into my hands. It was, it was just perfect. Yeah. I just love that kind of thing. We seem to be getting a bit of this like, you know, a bit more rivalry going, a bit more rough stuff going in games now. It's not just a bit of handbags. We've seen it throughout the, the you know the first few games of the season. Obviously, Downey having the fight against Guildford. Been a few more fights scattered out at the start of the season than they were last season. I think we saw um, Guy Lapine versus Springer as well the other day, which was um, yes, underwhelming, to say the least. great takedown from Lapine, in fairness. It was a great punch landed um, to just... You know, finish. Thank you very much. Let's go to the box. I think going on Andy's comments, and I'm not sure Andy was so convinced that it was just a punch. And do you not think that he kind of lost his foot in a bit, Andy? I think he did a little bit, yeah. But I think that was because of one of the punches, probably second to last one. You know, it was just such a sharp punch that you know, just lose all balance. You think, oh, there's nothing I could do here. Just, just going down. And obviously, the, the next one was the one that, that ended it. So it, it, it was a so, so good punches by Balapin for sure. And I'll tell you what, it makes a change from years ago, and we're talking Super League years, where the first, like, f- if you were a fight fan, the first month was immense, because all the tough guys, because by then, so back then even, you, one of your Ross spots was your tough guy. He was there just to fight. So Dennis Vial, Barry Nykar, um Louis Paxton Schultz, Louis Bedard, Newcastle, um, Dennis Maxwell. They were all just signed to fight. And that first month, every time they faced each other, it'd be the pruning of the feathers, who's the biggest peacock, and they'd fight all the time to see who was the toughest guy. And that was all you'd see that first month. And then sort of from end of October onwards, then it'd be fights because something's happened. Um, so and when you had like a, a lull of that, where it's just all play, just, you know, the skill and all that. Um, and now, I'm weird, Joey, and I like it being, you know, bit of rough stuff, bit of physicality. However, people think the game has moved, and the game has moved. It still gets people off their feet. It still excites people. Still talk about it until people stop talking about it. Until people don't get off their feet, it'll always be there. It'll always, it'll always be the thing that gets the crowd going and gets people into the game. I have to say though, it was quite an underwhelming fight, wasn't it? In all reality, Which I one? mean the two Gilapine and Lyndon's. Oh yeah, the two, the two like. Out of all the players in the league that you'd want to see fight, I think Springer and Lapine was probably one of the more anticipated fights that you would hope to see. And when they dropped the gloves, you think, oh, this is going to be great. And then within 10 seconds, Springer's face down on the ice. He was like, hmm, OK. Lentigo and Brawl was a better fight. Lentigo really quite... I thought held his own against a much bigger guy, to be fair. So, yeah, I would say so. But... um. Anyway, unless anybody's got any other highlights or, or things to discuss from last week, we move on to the airport section. Um, the arrivals and departures. Only arrivals for now. Actually, no, there's been a departure as well. There has been a departure, yes. There has been a departure. We've not written this down. Um, somebody remind me who it was. 
Or shall we go for the arrival first? No, no, well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in, mate. It was um, from Sheffield, Martin St. Pierre. It was left mm-hmm. in... We... No, we didn't mention it, don't think. I thought we talked about St. Pierre last week. I don't think we did. I'm sure we talked about St. Pierre last week, didn't we? don't think we did. Let's talk about Sempia. It may have been been when I was asleep, so let's just say that's what happened. Andy's here now anyway, so let us talk about my Sempia. Okay, yeah. um, Don't think to my (laughs) Sempia. Good to see you back, Andy. We'd just like to keep you on your toes, mate, and just throw in little little topics that we've not prepped you for. It's working. Yeah, Martin St. Pierre uh, was, was initially signed on a, on a short-term contract by the Steelers. Uh, they had a meeting uh, two weeks ago, I think, to see, see where they both wanted to go. I think it was a mutual decision both ways that, you know, we just didn't want to continue with the contract and um, just terminated it, terminated it on, on, like, a mutual agreement. And and that was that. And then uh, in came Sandstrom for St. Pierre. Yeah, it was a uh, an interesting move. Yeah, um, Sandstrom coming in, very different style player to Saint Pierre. Um, Saint Pierre being a, you know, or being brought in at least to be a, a, somebody that's going to put up the points, maybe put a few goals in. Quite a creative player um, for it to then go from that to being, you know, um, Sandstrom, who's a bit more of a gritty player, a bit more of a grinder. Interesting in the way that it went, but. Yeah, I don't think that. To be fair, there's not much to add for me because I think everybody was kind of, all the Steelers fans were kind of underwhelmed with what St. Pierre had brought to the table points-wise. Uh, Dave, I know you'd said that like what he brought in terms of playmaking brought something to the team. I, I agree in that respect, but then you'd see him fumble on pucks, you'd see him fumble on passes, you'd see him you know, stumble the odd shot. And you, you just kind of thought, for a guy of your experience... Whenever, particularly when everything's up in the end, this is the thing that I don't think the Steelers have knocked on the head over the last couple of years. And I, I said this to my dad a couple of days ago. I think one of the things that we haven't done is we haven't found that balance between like experience and youth. Last year, we signed a very young team. We hit some adversity early on, and I don't think the team as a whole had the experience you know, to push through that adversity. It gone on top of us and we didn't have those veteran guys or enough of those veteran guys to kind of take the way. I mean, a lot of the time you saw Jonathan Phillips being that standout guy to kind of take the wheel and show everybody, you know, how to move on. But we didn't really have any other veteran players. And I think, I don't know, I just think then we may have potentially moved on to a team of, of, of older players. Not a bad thing by any means. But then when you look at the likes of St. Pierre, when he's faced with a bit more adversity, he's at the end of his career. He, ain't a, he isn't a youth that's thinking, right, I'm going to try and get myself back to the KHL or I'm going to try and get, you know, sign in a top league like the Liga or the SHL. You know, as far as he's concerned, he's, he's, he's nearly at the end anyway. Yeah, it's, it is a, a difficult uh, balance in that way you have the both. One other point is if you have a young team, you have the adversity, the lack of experience of dealing with adversity, but you have the plus point is, it's for one of the benefits, it's a loose team that can joke easily, It's you have more jokers, more character in that respect. When you get to the older end, so the more experienced end, you've got guys that aren't as fussed as needing to be the, the joker, the humorous side, and every team needs that person that 
Because locker rooms get serious. Yeah. Locker rooms can remember we all play the game, regardless of our level, but locker rooms can get serious. Um, even at beer league level, locker rooms that I've been in many that's been absolutely dead serious where you, you're thinking people exchanging views and opinions and you may, you know, you're going to get really face-to-face arguments because the locker rooms are that serious because you care that much. That's why you need that person to, to loosen things up. Um, and I think maybe, you know, people are saying that DeLuca, Eberle and Valorant of that type, but maybe someone's at the, the very end, like Saint-Pierre, they've done, they've done this. They've, they've, they've been in teams many years. They've, they've earned their crust. They've, they've done the time in playing the game. They've got great resumes. They can look back and go, no, I've done a good thing. They don't maybe need that. Mm. So I think maybe we've maybe fell into that trap of having a too serious locker room. And with having a too serious locker room, it then becomes, you know, when the chips are down, it's going the other end. Whereas last year you had a, a, a team that weren't used to that, weren't having that. Guys, we're down with three goals again, third period for the third game on the trot. What do we do? It's finding that happy medium of guys that have that energy and that the drive, the ambition to push forward, and the guys that have that experience to go. This is what we need to do, guys. This is what's going to get us out of that group. Absolutely. And one team that reminds me. The best example of this was the Panthers title winning team, and I know we shouldn't ever swear and say the Panthers title winning team, um, chokes aside. But that, for me, one of the, the key things that that team was different was he had guys like Graham um, and Fox, I'm going to say, that when the yeah. chips were down, they were saying, get on my back. David Ling as well, wasn't he? Well, I'd say no to Ling. He had all the points, but he was always getting like five, six points against Hull. I never yeah. saw this. So 2 1 down against Sheffield. 3-2 down against Belfast, 2-0 down against Cardiff. And these guys were saying, get on my back, I'm getting us a win. I'm getting us to overtime, I'm getting us the points. That took us over the line. Guy Lapine won't be a bad shout for that, because Guy Lapine was the guy that kind of did it as the... That was kind of... We were talking a few years ago, and that was the kind of time when the guys had dropped the gloves to try and give that uplift and try and change the momentum in that way, drop the gloves, get a that's fight, a, win, and then move it. So Guy in that sense, was another guy. But you watched, if you went for the stats, and I appreciate none of us will have that information, but maybe Panthers and May, clutch goals that changed the tide more often than not was a select three or four guys that had the now and experience to go, right, just get my back and we're going to do this. Guys, we're going to win a detail, get my back. And yeah. I, and that's what you need to, to, you know, when you have a locker room of that scenario. So, at the moment, we've gone complete flip side of the coin to what we had last year. And we don't have the evidence so far that we have the characters to say, jump on, we're going to get two points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, moving from Saint-Pierre... Um, there is there have there have been two editions actually before we discussed before we started this we only had one written down uh, there has actually been a second edition that we've not clocked um, Guildford have signed 21 year old netminder Wouter Peters uh, Belgian netminder he's just his last season was spent across the USHL the Suami Saya and uh, and then he played in uh, Div Two for Belgium. Uh, 88% save percentage for Belgium in five games, 90.8% save percentage in eight games in, in Suomi Saria. So it's the only thing I can think is how it's pronounced. Uh, Finnish league, either way. Uh, and then 85.4% save percentage in three games in the USHL. Um, bit of an interesting one. 
Uh, you don't often see a lot of Belgian players coming over for a start. 21-year-old goalie, another interesting part. Don't know how he's going to be at all because his stats don't really read. Um, don't tell a great story at the moment, but we said we thought Guildford were going to get another import name. Yeah. Just maybe didn't expect this. No, it, it doesn't. It's a bit of a surprise. Although in saying that, he was drafted in the third round in 2016 by Chicago. Uh, yeah, so well, Chicago, that tells you everything. I know, but it's still, <laughs> he's, he's still a, um, a, a draft. He's six foot four as well, big guy. Yeah, it goes against the grain. If you, in terms of goalies that are the top of the game at the moment, it used to be sort of the, the early notices were tall goalies. Now it's back to kind of smaller goals, smaller height-wise. Um, so it goes against the grain. Um, a lot of people who've watched him play, when you dig him around formation, they don't paint a good picture on him. However, you know, if the scouts of Chicago think of something that's worth a third-round pick, then there must be something about him that offers the hope of he could do a job. Um, give Fulton a breather which I think he may need. Um, as much as he's not had the best record so far in terms of wins, losses, and I felt, and we've said uh, last week, Joe, that Fullerton's performance in Sheffield was one of the best away net mining performances we've seen for a long time, probably best we'll see all season. He'll need that support at the backup because he'll not be able to do that nineteen night out for Guildford. So not with the amount of shots he was facing. No, not at all. So this gives him the chance to, like last year with him and uh, Cazola, Remember yeah, Carozzi. Carozzi, that's it. My apologies. Um, give him the breather to you know, to keep him on his game. So it's another wait and see signing from the goalie perspective. But then we said that about Fasco. Then so far he's not been too bad. Yeah. So, but that's wait and see. Have you guys got his elite prospects page up? I have. I have. Yeah. Yeah. You have. This will mean nothing to anybody listening, but I'll make you guys laugh. And I, I, it, it, does it not? The picture of him on Elite Prospects does that not look like he's making a guest appearance for the Deck Stars at F4s? <laughs> it looks it looks like he's playing ball hockey. It looks like he's standing in a sports hall. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So you got Andy. What do you reckon? Um, you know, for a young guy, I think he's very decent. He's, he's played a bit of time in, for the Salzburg Junior System. Over there, uh, is he me called up? To, well, not not playing wise, but he's, he's being dressed for for in the KHL. So it, it kind of say a lot, you know. Whether they could have chose any other goalie, but they chose him to they chose to dress him in case he was called upon. So there is there is something there about him. Very decent for his age. That's all I can really say. I I think he'll be uh, a bit like Yindrich Yindrich Patchell, the paper Panthers. Last season, before that, I I'll tell I think... Dave that he'll have a bit of an affinity towards him. If you tell <laughs> Dave he's going to be like Pashel, I think he, in some ways he'll be a bit similar to that guy. You know, when called upon, he'll, he'll do a good job. So a very promising young, youngster for me. Yeah, certainly going to be interesting to see where that goes. Dave, you you summed that one up for me. Is uh, very much a wait and see. Uh, but yeah, a good move for Guildford, I think, bringing in that younger. Goaling that guy to give Fullerton a bit of a rest. Um, the last guy on the list, probably the one that's going to turn the heads most, is Marek Tronchinski, who was signed in Sheffield. What do we think, gents? Good. Very good signing. On the context of it's a body, 
in terms of defence. We, we, Sheffield is short. But you look at his stats, you break them down. He's got very good stats, both defensively in terms of the plus minus, and I'll go on that in a minute, but also points-wise, because Sheffield is another defensive, a points-going defenseman. However, two years ago, he was the highest We're not short on We're not short. at all. So let's have another one. Uh, how have we said that, though? We're bringing in someone who, two years ago, in the top league of the Czechs, Czech Republic, so not any second, third-tier European League, one of the top leagues. Let's just stress that a little bit. Um, because we know some people don't, you know, let's look at Sasa go European hockey, it must be rubbish. Top point scorer as a defenceman. Uh, and I had got that a couple of times. His plus minus for over nearly five, sorry, for nearly 500 games in, in that league, minus 33. I think it's 477 games. When it your is, plus yeah. minus is around, is, is that, is it 477? Yeah, four, no, yeah, 477. What a good remember that is. Uh, I think it's like minus 33, so it's something really stupidly small, given the amount of games he's played. Um, pl- played nearly 100 games in the KHL. Now, minus 15 there as well. Minus 15, which is, again. You know, in arguably the second best league in the world. Now, there are some reports, if you really dig um, deeper into, into him, that you know, he's played nearly 20 games for the Czech Republic. Senior, so not just the duty the or the top team. Uh, whether they are the practice games of the World Champs, I'm not 100 percent certain because they, they play all the European breaks. A lot of reports, if you dig, say that he's a bit of a wasted talent that he could and should have been the next best thing for his bracket. Um, should have played in higher leagues, more consistent, maybe even gone to the show. Um, but you cannot look at the stats and go, "This is a poor signing." Understanding the plus minus, you could make a guess that actually this kid does have defensive nous. Yes, scores points. So I think this is, at this time of year as well, is a very good signing for the Steelers. Anybody in Venice, even if Cardiff had picked him up or Belfast had picked him up, you'd be saying a very good signing. Well, and I believe, forget the fact that he's another body, but I think actually will make a, a bit of a difference to the Steelers team. And their defensive lineup and where they're set up this year, I think it'll make a positive difference for him this year. Yeah, he's, he's got a wealth of experience uh, in the Czech League KHL with Yugra uh, Kanti Mansisk, and that's right. Um, yeah, well, these, you and me are trying to pronounce <laughs> that, mate. <laughs> for a D-man, for a defenseman, points-wise, very, very good. Uh, it's plus plus minus decent as well. Uh, coming off. Five games for Litvinov for coming to Steelers. I think he's a very good signing. Uh, very good uh, physically as well. I, I, I can remember some videos of it. I think some really serious, really, really big hits. One where a guy uh, almost swallowed his own tongue. Or, or I think he did, judging by his reaction. But yeah. Some good physicality, some good, some good points, I think, as well. Looking very, very good. So look at the two guys that the Steelers have just brought in. They brought in Sandstrom, who had a 14-match ban for physical abuse of an official. And then the next guy they bring in, I've watched six videos of him throwing a hit, and on all six, the guy stayed down and didn't get up. Like, I think they're showing some kind of intent. Um, no, joking aside, this guy looks really, really good to me. As you say, Dave, and you know, top leagues in, in, in Czech, and the, you touched on the KHL. I mean, to be playing in that league... It is no no easy feat. So 
that alone speaks volumes as to the kind of guy he is. I've seen people whinging and complaining, oh, AHL camps are kicking out and why are we picking up a Czech player? Talking rubbish. I mean, I, I, he's played nearly 100 games in the KHL. Dave, he says the second, probably the second best league in the, in, in the world. We say we say that about AHL camps, but we just released a player that people wanted to get rid of because he weren't doing anything who had over 500 games in the KHL. Exactly. So oh, let's just have someone from arguably the, th- the third league and the best league of the world. Makes no sense. I, I again, if, if I'm honest, I think as an overall subject, I think it's a lack of understanding from British hockey fans of European leagues. Precisely what I was going to say. It's such a taboo thing in the elite league. We've got this. We've established this like identity of. The elite league may be a league in Europe in that it's the UK. It may be that kind of, you know, but, but we very much maintained a North American kind of identity. It was very much run and gun hockey, throwing lots of hits, few fights in a game. We're going back 10 years now. Hits, fights and that kind of thing. And that was at a point when Europe was all about speed and skill and North American was big brute force as well as a bit of speed and skill. And they were the very, diff- very polar opposites in terms of hockey. Massively. And for me, my, my, my mindset is it's years ago where British clubs was very against Europe, yeah. um, against even being in European competitions. And I know even in Sheffield where certain folk would say it's not good the Steel's being in the Continental Cup at the time. Um, we should, we should just focus on the league, focus on the league. And it's no wonder if people would rather win the Yorkshire Cup and have the, get the Open Top Bus Parade on winning the Yorkshire Cup than actually playing in the CHL or the Conti Cup, for example. Nowadays, especially with access to watching the SHL, the KHL on Premier Sports, and um, the internet can provide you with the DL and Liga if you know where to go um, on you know, legal websites, um, you, you get to learn actually the skill level and if you're looking to enjoy hockey for its skill, then these leagues will provide in buckets. Yeah, but now, also, if you want to backtrack to the to the times when there were more hits and more fights, to be fair, you're probably not going to get much closer to a, a league like the NHL was 15 years ago than the KHL. No. And I'll be honest with you, mate, the best game I've ever watched um, for hits as well was actually between two Central and Eastern European teams in Latvia and Kazakhstan. And I'll tell you now... Absolute bone country, mid-ice hits, are plenty, and not one were called. All legal, all fine, and the, the, the player was amazing. So, it's it's frustrating. Now, okay, I may be of a, a different... I watch a lot of European hockey. I've been going watching the World Champs, watching GB. I've seen a lot of European teams. So, I'd like to think I have a bit more of an understanding, and this is not being a bit snobbish or anything, but just watching it more, you get more of an understanding. Yeah. So, I... I enjoy and, and see the enjoyment and the skill set um, of the different leagues like the SHL, the KHL, the DL. I tell you, if you watch some of the, the games there, some of the hits, you know, there's not soft. You, Europe had that reputation of soft hockey. You know, you, you, I mean, but then again, that's, that was when you were playing like the, the Romanian club sides and Belgian club sides where you go you breathe past them and they fall over because that's all they did. Um, but you watch the top leagues now and the physicality of them, all along with the skill and speed. It's, it's 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 baffling why people don't don't get any enjoyment out of seeing that type of hockey entertainment. It really does. It, it baffles me and it irritates me a little bit that you make a signing of this kind of caliber and the only thing that people see is check. 
You don't think, oh, this guy's stats look good. They don't even bother to YouTube the guy and see the fact that actually he's probably one of the most physical guys in terms of the video footage that you can see of him. He's probably the most physical guy we've signed in three years. But all of a sudden you see Czech hockey player and you see the name like Tronchinsky and you think suddenly like some of our fans just go, oh, he's Czech. Oh, okay, we'll write him off. Let's flip it a little bit differently. If you said the player had a night, I think is it 94 games in the KHL? I got his stats in front of me, unfortunately. Uh, but let's it just say is nine. Where is it? 93. Okay, so I was one off. Never mind. So let's say 93 games. We signed a player. 93 games in the NHL. 477 games in the AHL. In terms of that continent's bracket of leagues, people go, "What a signing! This is quality. This is good." It's just the same, just a different continent. For me, anyway. Yeah. I don't know what you think to that. Yeah, uh, not much else I can really add. Just, just yeah, agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree too. I mean, I, I, I just it, it does it just irritates me. I just think it's narrow-minded. I just think it's people, people that don't want to look at the fact that European hockey's come a long way to match the, the the same kind of level as the NHL or the same kind of style as the NHL and the North American style of hockey. Um, people just want to believe that European hockey's soft and North American hockey's hard. And we're very much a North American hockey team, which makes us the superior type of league. And that's why the CHL's pointless. And that's why the Conti Cup's pointless, because we're playing these soft European teams. It's uh, stupid. I just want to shut I'll, up and just I'll watch say, it. As, as my last point on this, because I, I could go to town and we haven't even gone down the people don't want to play in the CHL. That, will get, that could be a two hour long podcast just me right on that. You look at the draft. You look at you the like first, it, the CHL, Dave. It's not the liking of the CHL. It's people disliking it because you can't win it. That's the argument in what I'm saying for this bit. But you look at the draft, the NHL draft over the last few years, you look at the first round and how many European players, how many Swedish players, how many Finnish players, how many Czech players, how many Russian players, and maybe even the Norwegian um, or German. How many scored in the league last year? Nikita Kucherov. There you go. Alexander Ovechkin being one of the one of the highest scorers. The one guy of the franchise the league. Franchise. guy... The only guy in hockey history that could even potentially compete with Gretzky's scoring record. But you look at that, that draft over the last five years of what's been going into the league. You look at this year, they're talking the promising player in the NHL from the draft. Capo Caco. Capo Caco. Who didn't yes. make it to New Jersey because he's not American. No, and I'll tell you something now. He'll light up Broadway. He will be fantastic for the Rangers. Just shame he's playing for them. Particularly uh, with Panarin as well. And another European player. So so I don't get this, this European hockey's poor. Because if the NHL, which our leagues have always been aching to in terms of the physicality element of it, if their scouts are saying, let's get this Czech player, let's get this Russian player, let's get this Swedish player, let's get this Finnish player. If they're going to the best league in the world, then if it's good for them, it's good for us. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I'm just going to say we're going to swerve this back on topic because I think we found like a bit of a trigger point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I am I am in full agreement. It just irritates me. Um, I saw somebody put it on Twitter and said something like, oh, so, so much for us wanting a big North American guy. And I just thought this guy nearly made a guy swallow his own tongue with a clean, hard hit. Like... And you're and you complaining. I mean, he's six foot one. He's all right. He's not the tallest player, but he's not short. 
it's not like we've signed a five foot eight Tyler Mosienko, is it? We've signed six foot one guy. He's got he's got some size to him, and just because he's Czech, we've written him off. I'm just yeah. I'll, we're going around circles. I'll move on from that. But yeah, no put in ten of that one, mate. Well, Steelers have said recruitments are on the way anyway, so they said recruitments as in plural, which means we're going to sign Dustin Bufflin. You heard it. Heard it here first. It's going to happen. This is just a make-up for your lack of seeing it. Yes, yes. <laughs> not certain yet. Um, oh, there's another guy that we alluded from, by the way, which is Patrick Liner. Another, another... Another person in the draft that's gone into the top league. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, moving on from that, moving to the negative side of hockey, if you can believe we were on the positive side of hockey there. Um, the negative side, Dops have had to stick their noses in again this week. Have to say, and I'll say this now, we discussed last week about, um, the, was it last week we discussed the knee on knee hit from uh, Ward? Could have been last week. That was given a match penalty, wasn't it, from uh, in the game? Yes. Interesting lack of participation from Dops to comment on that then. Because you would have thought there would have been something to either say one match is sufficient or we're going to give it more. If you remember, they did put out something that if they, that says that if they they review, obviously the stuff that automatically gets reviewed, if they're not changing anything, they're not going to actually release it in public. Um, they're just going to release the stuff right. that has the additional stuff. The clubs will obviously be told, yo, it's so match penalty, one game. But they're not going to go because they, they could easily put stuff out for 20 reviews. Mm. And the logic was, well, no, we're not, if, unless, it's, unless it says, right, we're actually going to review it, we're going to ban, they're not going to put a comment out, which I, I'd, I'd, me personally, I'd, I'd like to say, you know, we've, a one-pager, we've reviewed these, we keep it as it is, move on. Yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with you on that. I, I, don't, I think... We will save the discussion as a whole for another day. We'll, we'll, we will go to the, uh, the the decision that they have made, yeah. the decision they have announced. Uh, Danik Gautier has been given a one match ban for slew footing. Um, Andy, what did you what did you make of this one? It's a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, just very very reckless. Uh, I, I don't think there was any really need for it. Just come straight behind straight behind the a giant sky and uh, just had to stick his leg out. Um, make a little sweep in motion and, and, and knock him off his feet. Uh, they're giving him a game, which is, I, I think is about right for this. Uh, which, as I can say, just a bit, just a bit reckless. I'd agree with that. I think it, it was stupid. Seems every time we talk about this, it's always the same sense for me. Stupid, and it's all stupid. It, it I suppose. He may have been trying to attempt initially to pull out of the hit because the puck had gone. So he would have been called for late hit and everything. However, in a, if he was, his application of trying to do that was poor and he's just cleaned the guy out with a sofa. So I think it's consistent from already. We've had, I think that's the second uh, sofa we've had from Dops this year. Is, uh, yeah. so, so it's consistent, which what fans of the hockey fans across the UK want the consistency slowly showing the consistency um, I think that's, that's no more for me to say than that it's, it's daft it's stupid Dops have given give the ban yep let's go with that no more to say yeah I can't really I can't really say any more to be fair the only thing that I'd say is Andy you said the one thing that again and this is this has been my only issue with Dops and I will front load 
what I'm about to say with the fact that I actually agree, as you guys have said, with the decision for it to be a one-match ban. Fully agree with that. I just disagree with putting it under Category 1 careless. And Andy, you said it was just reckless, and I fully agree with you there. I just don't understand how skating in behind a guy, leaving your leg out and sweeping his leg out from underneath him is careless. That's reckless any day of the week. But regardless of that, for me, it's no more than a one-match ban. So if anything, I'm being a bit pedantic there. But I, I suppose, just think they've thrown around a careless category a little bit more. They may have used that in categorisation in terms of, and they've looked, I'm, I'm guessing here, that they may have gone down the line of, was it with the intent to injure? And if I'm honest, it was, I, I, I wouldn't have gone that he intended to injure him. Whereas the ward one, I would have said there was an intent to injure. I suppose that's maybe the only reason why it's gone down as careless and not reckless. I could see that. I mean, my only argument to that is that he did the same thing with um, Brett Bulmer when he made the hit on Lemsey Rob at the start of the season. Left his knee in, went knee on knee. And then they, they, they said that was careless. And I, I, he, For me, it's more... As I say, it's more being pedantic. I think it's more just an issue with yeah. the way they're categorising it. I think the reason they're saying Category 1 is because I presume the way that they've kind of got it set is a Category 2 reckless hit is generally deemed to be more severe in terms of the penalty that needs to be given. And and I, as I say, I, I, I agree with it being a one-match ban. I just pedantically, I just don't think you can class that as careless. Because you're 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 skating into a player, you're leaving your leg. I, it's not as if he's just bumped into him. Come on, he knows vaguely what he's doing. He swept his leg from underneath him. I just I just think it's reckless rather than careless. But as I say, that's more pedantic than anything yeah. else. Because I agree that I agree with a one match ban. Um, anybody else? Anything else on Dops? To be fair, it's the only thing they have been relatively quiet so far. So uh, I guess that's a good thing in terms of the league. Um, we now move on to a topic that I want to I want to relate to officials more generally. But the first instance that I'm going to use it on, and I, I apologise to anybody listening that isn't a Steelers fan because there are going to be a couple of Steelers examples here, simply because the calls aren't always the things that are going to find themselves onto highlight videos. You know, we're going to see Steelers games. If when Graf's here, we're going to see Manchester games week in, week out, where we can comment a little bit more specifically about these kind of things. Um, this is actually on the highlights video. So if you're not a Steelers fan, you may have seen it. It's about four and a half minutes into the highlights of the Devils game on Sunday. Uh, Lenti Gov was called for two minutes for embellishment or diving. Um, and the Cardiff player was given two minutes for holding. John Armstrong stupidly got himself a two-minute abuse of official penalty at the same time. Um, but I just want to see what you guys thought to the dive. I'll be honest with you at the time. I think I, along with you, Joe, was questioning a number of things as to how on earth that was called for diving. On first view, it looked like Lemtigov was trying to get out of the hold that the Cardiff player, I don't know how to call it interference, but the, the hold was um, that it was. So we all thought, yeah, well, this, this, it's an awful call. You look at it again on the, on the replay, and you can kind of, uh, you can understand why maybe the referee may have given that call for embellishment. It does look like, 
at an angle. So I will have to look at it again as to, to work out where the referee was who called it, what his angle were. What what did he actually see? What was the view of Lentigov? He, Lentigov... he was square. I've, I've got I've literally got it paused on the video here. Lentigov is kind of to the left of the Cardiff net behind the goal line. The goal is, the, the referee stood bang behind the net. So he's got a clean view of it on the boards. So There's, there's um, no players in between as well. No, thank you. Because one of the things, so when I look at stuff, I try and work out where the referee is to maybe understand why they may, have, may not have called stuff. And the way Olympikov tries to get out of it, you could argue from a referee's perspective that, yeah, he may have tried him, uh, milking it a bit. I don't think he did. I think he was purely trying to get out of the hole. And it, it just looked like he was... Uh, because I think also the way he was being held, which was by the, uh, an attempt of a hip check by the Cardiff player, his limbs are going to be all over the show. So it's, it's going to be an element of looking like you know, a fish out of water, for one of a better phrase. But I can understand why the referee may have called it. I disagree, but I can also understand why he may have called it. For me, I've, I've only seen it a few times, uh, but I, I don't think it was a dive. I, I think, like they said, he was, he was trying to get, get uh, past a player. He saw a hole and thought, no, I, this, is the only way that, this is the only way that I can get through. I'm going for it. So I think that the referee probably interpreted his decision as as a dive, but for me, I, I don't think he was. I think he was just simply trying to get out of that hold. Uh, there was literally no no other way he could get past him, and just, just saw the opportunity, and went for it. That's all I can really say about it. Do you know what? I have just I have, literally I'm just watching it again as you're talking. Um, and what I'd not realised is there is a square on slow mo view. Of it on the highlights, about five minutes thirty in. Now, first thing I have to say before we go any further on this is beautiful toe drag, beautiful toe drag to get it round to the Cardiff players and get it round the back of the net. Um, but it has to be said, the slow mo. And if you haven't seen it, I, I very much urge you to see it. It's about this is about five minutes twenty in, and it shows you as I say, nice clean perfect square on picture and he goes into the board no issues with the way he goes into the boards Andy as you say he's seen his route there's no way of him cutting the inside cuts the inside he's going to run into a Cardiff player cuts to the outside to try and get it round Cardiff player goes in with a hip check at that point no issue Cardiff player then holds out the hip check a little bit too long holding Lentigov on the boards at that point hold no, no problems with that Lentigov then kind of starts to move his head around a little as if to be saying to the referee, you know, what's going on here? And, he's, and his left leg comes off the ice just because of where, where, where the Cardiff player's hip is and just where the hold is. He actually ends up with one leg off the ice and you actually see him then pogo off his right leg. Genuinely, honestly, like, have a look. He's, I'm paused right at that moment. It's five minutes, 25 in the highlights. He pogos off his right leg and, like, propels himself up. To me, at that point, you can't argue he's trying to get through the hold. He's got one leg on the ice, and he's, and, and he's literally, he's pushed himself off his only leg off the ice, and he's then basically floundered his way to the ice. He's got both legs up in the air together, and he's landed on his side. On that view, I can very, very much see why that's been called as a dive. And at the time, I was absolutely adamant there was nothing wrong with it. But looking at that view, and as I say, it's square on, 
I can see why I would be tempted. To, I would be tempted if I was a referee. I think I would have said that was a dive, and that's the first view that has fully convinced me to that. The view before I could see as a mm, yeah maybe. Um, if you listen to the Steelers podcast with Jonathan Fernley, Stimsy, and and Alex Briggs, that was the first thing that made me take another look. Was that Stimsy and Alex Briggs both said no way, not a dive, you know bizarre call and Jonathan Fernley actually said on review of the footage I can see why he called it and at that point I thought okay you know but you listen to Jonathan Fernley very logical but doesn't tend to put the orange specs on you know he tends to look at it very very neutral very stats based as well not not realised quite as much of that as how good he was in terms of stats but very very good overall view of the game so when he said that I kind of thought okay maybe there's something to it but looking at that view honestly urge you both to have a look five minutes 25 in you can see him propel himself off that foot that's on the ice and there's no other reason for me that he'd have done that unless he's trying to exaggerate what's going on I've just actually looked at it again on my phone but I'll just say one thing about John Fernley after working with him when we used to come and see on live very good on stats knows his hockey also is not one that will take the Steelers' side. If, if Steelers have done wrong, he will say. Yeah. So, if, if, in that respect, in terms of the Steelers' coverage on, on webcasts for £15, you've got one of, probably one of the best in the league um, for doing that. And that's the reason why he gets the gigs um, playoff weekends, where you'll hear his voice during the commentary for that. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned before, yeah, I've watched it again. And I think he's, he's, like I said, he's trying to get out of the hold. The way he's done it, I, get, I think that's where you kind of go, that's where the referee may think he's exaggerated, he's milking it a bit. And with Andy, I don't think he is. But from the ref's interpretation, I can see why he may have, well, why he did call that. See, up until seeing that view, I didn't, I thought, not dive, you know, same kind of thing I was thinking, maybe trying to get out of it. Just the way that he, he pushes himself off that only leg on the ice. And he, he doesn't, he, it's not as if he's trying to then make contact. He's not trying to keep his leg straight to then land back on that leg. I, I just can't see any other result other than him ending up on the ice. And it's, it's just a bizarre one. It's just a bizarre yeah. one. But I, I think it's certainly the footage certainly shows where the referee was coming from. Whether you think he dived, whether you think he was coming out of the hole, I think it makes the, it certainly makes the decision look a little bit more reasonable than was maybe portrayed at the game I I think that's certainly one thing that we can agree on is it's definitely it's certainly a more reasonable call than everybody thought at the time and the the view that was the replay that was shown on the scoreboard and I appreciate you weren't there but you you watched it on the webcast afterwards did you you say you see you guys watch the game so like you know at the the time it was very much portrayed as a oh what a call the the whole arena it's like the loudest the arena was all night when they showed the replay of that um but now, seeing that for I think it's a bit more of a reasonable call. But um, the other, the other call that went against the Steelers that may have seen a bit of a weird one um, was Brocklehurst was called. So Duba came out of his net, decided to make a poke check on the Cardiff player, realised that his poke check had come off about ten foot earlier than it needed to be made, uh, and it looked as it looked to me very convincingly that he threw his stick as a last-ditch effort, thinking, I've just left the net open. He's thrown his stick. Stick's made a collision with the, the, the Cardiff player's skate, and it's gone into the corner. 
Flay's moved up the boards. Brocklehurst realised that it's it's too far a distance for Duba to go and get his stick. It's, it's right in the corner. So he's dragged his stick with his stick back to Duba. And at that point, the referee's put his arm up and called it. Now, the previous rule in the Elite League, or the IIHF as a whole, was that you weren't allowed to have two sticks in your hand. You had two sticks in your hand, and that was instantly, it was illegal equipment. It was too, You can't have two sticks in your hand. You, had, you used to have to play it to him on the ice with your stick. Brocklehurst played it to him with his stick and got the penalty. And it says he now turns out, David, rule 128 in the IIHF rule book. Yeah, that is the one, and thanks to David McGimsey who pointed it out to me, because um, I went looking for it, I couldn't find it, he uh, helped me out there, but yeah, um, it's that's the rule, it's 128.5, um, that basically says that you have to have the exchange hand-to-hand, you can't drag, slide, or any other method of passing the stick back to the goalie, I'm just going to get the wording up very quickly... Um, so, yeah, so in the rule book, the IIHF rule book, a skater or goaltender who loses his stick during game action cannot have that stick returned to him by a teammate who throws it to him in any way. He may receive it from a teammate, but the exchange must be made hand-to-hand. A player who throws, tosses, slides, or shoots a stick to a teammate will be assessed a minor penalty, which happened on Sunday. I'll be honest with you, and as we said many times on that in the conversation on Sunday, I thought the way the Brocklehurst did that was the correct way. The rule books made me a liar, and that's so that's what it is. And so, first and well done to the referee for, or the refereeing team for remembering that rule and, and implementing the rule. If you break the rule, you know, be penalised. Um, just one of the ones that you don't see every so often. Yeah. I was under the impression that uh, it, it, it was a uh, you know when I first knew about the call. I thought it was a rubbish call simply for the fact that I didn't know about this rule change. Because uh, obviously, previously, before, it was okay to pass to pass a stick across with your own stick. But not not knowing that it had changed to, you know, to where you can now have two sticks hands if you're not involved in the play to pass a stick back to your goalie. I, I didn't know that, that change. And I think it caught a lot of people out because, you know, this rule book... It's probably quite a lengthy one, you know, and it is easy for something like that to get lost in what is a long list of rule changes. So I think it, it, it threw everyone, you know, out of it. And, you know, you just got to say, like, they're so well done to the referees, you know, for, for knowing about these rule changes and for being in the, the spot to pick it up straight away. Because it, it, it can't be easy to get used to these changes. And they've been spot on there. So very, very... Very well called. Yeah, I believe it was Staniforth that made the observation. I think he communicated it to the referee that it had been dragged. Um, referee's arm went up as soon as he told him. So again, we, we we'll brush on this briefly now. I'll, I'll give my take on it on 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 the situation and the ruling in a second. But uh, we've talked about it before that it takes a good referee to, to listen to what his linesman's got to say. Um, you see it every so often where there's a bad hit or something like that. Player goes down, referee hasn't seen it. Play continues, and at a break in play, you see the referee have a chat with his line out. I, I think, for want of a better word, it shows it shows balls as a referee at that point 
to go, do you know what? I didn't see that, but fair play. He said it. I trust him enough as a unit. You've got to have that trust within the four players, that, the, four, the four officials. You may only have two refs and two linos, but they're a team. That's the big word, trust. Amongst everything that we'll say, that's the biggest word. They've got to have the trust. Mm. And it proved out that actually the trust was 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 worth um, trusting in, in Santa Fe because he got it right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, as far as it goes as well, I mean, Stanif is one of the most experienced linesmen in the in the league nowadays. He's, he's been around for a while doing what he does. So if, if there's anybody to put that trust in, I think he's, he's, he's that guy. But I, yeah, kudos to the referee for, for listening and for making that call on what he's been told. My take on the what happened, my only thinking is it, it's not been a very well-communicated rule. Um. You saw some changes in rulings. You saw these new rules brought in, like face-off violations was the rule, and that was changed. We had about four changes in the rules, and that in the uh, like was it last off-season or the off-season before, um, where it was like you no longer pulled out of the face-off, you get the warning instead. They had the goalie's not allowed to freeze the puck if there's no pressure on him; he has to release it, otherwise it's a delay of game. You saw these kind of tweaks to the rules, and it was very well publicised. You know, the players were well aware of it. And also, the referees gave some leniency towards it. You often saw, particularly with with the goalie covering the puck when there wasn't that pressure, you could often see what was quite evidently a referee kind of having a chat with the goalie and just saying, look, next time you don't play in that situation, I'm going to call you. It, it was evidently happened. If you and in fairness, you even still you even still see it happen from time to time, where you just see a, a goalie freeze it. Maybe could have played it, and then you see the referee go over and just have a bit of a chat with him. And you, you can only presume at that point he's probably just saying, "Next time, you're going to need to let that play." In my mind, the reason for this rule change is because playing it with the stick is unsafe in that sometimes you'd see players kind of shoot the stick towards the player because obviously they're, they're eager to get back into play. So they, you know, you'd sometimes see them just kind of sweep the stick towards the, the goalie or towards the player that had lost the stick and then get stuck back in in the play. Obviously, the theory behind that is if you're shooting up at a stick at a player to try and get it to him, in the words of David Phillips, it might have been dangerous because it's you know quite easily you could flick it up at a player, the stick comes up, you know, all of a sudden it's drawing blood. Obviously, you don't really want to be flicking like a five-foot-long piece of carbon fibre around. That, you know, that, that, at the end of the day, that's the bottom line. That's the reason for the rule. Now, Brocklehurst's theory was very, very logical and very, very well thought out. And to my mind, maybe should have been given a bit of leniency from the referee. And I'm, I'm trying to say this without the kind of the orange tinted specs. And I'm trying to, I'm not. I'm trying to take myself out of the situation as a Steelers fan here, but Brocklehurst's theory was I'm not allowed to shoot it at him or pass it towards him because that could be dangerous because the stick is then uncontrollable on the ice. It's just sliding towards the player. So what he's thought is I can't do that. I can't pick it up and pass it to him because then I've got two sticks in my hand. And also the rule states that a player isn't allowed to have a goalie stick in his hand at any time during play. So he's not. he's thinking I'm not allowed to pick this up. So... If I drag it to him, then it's it's under control, it's safe, but it's getting the stick to the goalie. So I, I saw that logic, and to me, it's keeping with the intent of the rule, which isn't a well-communicated change of rule from what was the 
it has quite swapped the way around from what it used to be. It used to be you're not allowed to have a second stick in your hand, and now it is you have to pick the stick up. So I just think, and, and particularly from Perry, because and we, we spoke about this before the game, Dave, that it was it was Perry and Steph Hogarth, wasn't it? And for yes. Steph Hogarth, it's very much rule is a rule, black and white. That's what it says. It's called Perry. And this is one of the things I like. Yes, a lot of slating in terms of a referee, in my mind, is actually one of the best referees in the league because he, he allows a certain amount of interpretation. He looks at it and goes, in the context, in what happened, does that need a penalty? He understands the need to let the game flow, but he'll do it consistently across both teams. And in, to my mind, in that instance, that bit of referee's interpretation if you take a step back and go, this rule's brought in to make sure that it's a safe procedure, that the, the goal is getting his stick back, then actually you'd look at it and go, yes, he's not picked the stick up, but he's not done it in a dangerous way. I agree with the content of what you're saying in terms of the, the flow and everything else. I think one thing I don't agree with is the communication. And the reason I'm saying that well, they had a bit of guesswork is that they had a massive meeting before the start with the coaches and the referees just to explain the rules, explain the interpretations, explain how the Elite League's casebook, which was released in August, so that obviously the, the coaches seen it first, and so all the rules and all the interpretations were explained there. So I believe that the context of the communication the rule done to the right people. Yeah. If the fans want to know... So I'm not disagreeing... With, Per se, what you're saying. If the fans need to know, want to know about the rules, you go and find them. Which, I believe most fans don't want to know, don't care about the rules. And, and I go on that on what you hear in the stands. That's not a criticism. You go and watch the game however the hell you want to do it. That's your choice. That's your, you know, that's your, you do however you want to do that. But in terms of being communicated, as long as the coaches are told, as long as the coaches then to tell the players are told, then in terms of lines of communication, that's, that's all they need to do. I think this was... Cause it was Hogarth who was the referee who called it. Remember said yeah. right, it was Hogarth. I think so, yeah. So, and what, what, what you mentioned, Hogarth is very much... And this is not a criticism of him as a referee, but, you know, he's very much of the IHF mould of penalty call, penalty call, penalty call. Not a bad thing. And that's what happened there. Brockless has got... His interpretation wrong because we all thought that was the right way to do it, um, and I think that's, it's just a, a blip in memory. If I'm honest with you, from here, I think it's just more a blip in memory of how you drag it. Because it, how many times it actually happen? How many times does a goal stick or go missing that far where you have to? You can't just you know you, you know no referees looking. Let's just give a quick chick, chick, kick of the stick to him so no one sees it. It doesn't happen that often, so it's, I think it's more a blip in memory. But you've got, you've got to say, Hogarth called the rule. He, he did it spot on, and it kind of the integrity of the rules was kept. I agree with the concept. Sorry to jump in, but I agree with the play into the game and the kind of the you know some you know skate past him, elbow in the ribs. Next time, don't do that. Or I have to call you. I, I understand that. I like that in referees because I like them to flow. Like you, I like the games to flow. It's, it's one of when it's as blatant in terms of as blatant as in being in play when it's as blatant as that word you kind of you may lose the opportunity to go 
don't do that again. I have to call you. So I, I, I'm, I'm with the referee in terms of it's there. It's in the rule book. It's in black and white. You have to call it. Um, as much as all rules are by interpretation, that one's very much black and white. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. When I when I say what I'm saying, I'm not necessarily saying the wrong call was made. As, as you say, at the end of the day, it was called in full. In, in it, yeah, it, it was called in full respect of what the rule is, um, and and that is the referee's job at the end of the day to call the rules as they are. That, that's the what, what I'm kind of saying. I think that was the only room for interpretation of if the. The, it would have been poten- a potential for the referee to have said, and I wouldn't have complained if it was the other way around. If there was a Cardiff player that had done it like that and it hadn't been called, you know, I wouldn't have an issue. Might do it at the time, but I wouldn't have an issue like stepping back and thinking, right, that's not been called because it's actually been done in a safe manner. It's been done in line with the intent behind the rule. It's just not followed the rule to the letter, if that makes sense. But. No, I, I, no, I fully agree. I mean, it was called it was called perfectly in terms of what the rule is, and you, you, you know you can't slate the referees for that. So that's not what I'm not what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, an, an interesting one. I mean, to be fair, Dave. I mean, I said to you before we realised that that was the change in rule. I, I said to you, I said I can't, we can't complain even if it's not the rule because to my mind, do we should have had a penalty anyway? Yeah, because it was to me quite a blatant stick throw. Bottom line, I mean, he did it in Coventry and the the commentator went, oh, he's, oh, Duba's just thrown his stick. I mean, you both went, no, he hasn't. He's gone for a poach egg and he's lost it. Don't be stupid. And then he did that and I just thought he launched that a little bit too far for that to just be, oh, I've lost the grip on my stick when I'm going for a poach egg. To me, he's gone, go for a poach egg. Oh, actually, no, he's still six foot away. I'll just launch my stick as a last-ditch attempt, yeah. which I'd rather him do. I'd rather him do because if if he hadn't have done it, the player the player inside steps him. He got an open cage. I would much rather do but get a penalty or give away a penalty shot than lay on the ice and go okay, just have a goal. Yeah. But you know, I I think when we looked at that, I kind of said I expected Duba to get a penalty anyway, so I'm not really going to argue against it. Um, but yeah, interesting one. The last one on specific incidents that I thought I'd raise before we throw this open to just general brief I'm going to say in big capital letters because <laughs> this could go on forever before we throw it onto a general discussion on, on referees and officiating as a whole um, the linesman and I'm going to use this as a generic term I am under the impression that it was a specific linesman uh, of which both incidents were made by were called by but in Manchester on Saturday Storm v Steelers there were two incidents in the last couple of minutes that really just kind of made a bit of a mockery of the game that had gone. I was getting, it was one of those games that you were a little bit like, I, I texted Griff and I was like, the bits after the whistle now are getting a little bit embarrassing. From both sides, from both sides. You'd, yeah. you'd, have, you'd, have, you'd have Gagnon, a big guy, and he'd come in and he'd cross-check Sandstrom, a guy who's six inches shorter than him and, and a lot smaller. He'd cross-check him from behind when he wasn't looking and then skate away. And it, it, just little things like that, I, I just kind of thought, you know, this is getting a little bit pathetic now. You'd have Steelers players that the whistle would go, there'd be a few slashes, glove punches, but then nobody would be interested in the fight. I, at that point, I just kind of think, pack it in. 
you know, either play with that grit and intensity in the game or drop the gloves and fight him. Why are we just messing Fair. about after every break? Um, to that point, it was getting a bit of a, a bit of a joke anyway. But this completely made a mockery of the game. Steelers pull the goalie. Um, we were actually on the PK, I think, at first. Were we, or was it a four on four? It was four, four on four. four. It was four on four. We were on the PK. We drew a penalty in their zone um, to take it to four on four, and then we pulled the goalie to be up five on four with no net, with, with no goalie in the net. Um, whilst that was in play, the linesman decided to blow his whistle for too many men. Steelers are breaking into the Manchester zone, two on one, something like that. And just as the break whistle goes, linesman says too many men. Now, at that point, you go, well, there's no goalie, fair play, human error, going to happen from time to time. Referee, to his credit, rectified straight away, adamant, face-off in Manchester's zone. Finity wasn't too happy about it, but face-off in Manchester's zone, that was the decision. So I didn't really have too much of an issue with that. My issue was, 30 seconds later, when our guy had come out of the penalty box, we were on the power play in six on four with no netty in. Manchester shot down to our, our our goal to try and put the empty net in, missed, and as Ben O'Connor collected the puck behind the net, the linesman then blew the whistle to kill the play for an icing when Manchester were on the penalty kill. And I texted Greff saying, what was the lino doing? And from what Greff said, it was the same lino. You just think, and, and that one irritated me. I, I thought Ben O'Connor at one point was about to just go turn on and hit the lino because he was really not happy with it. But it killed everything that we had. At least with the first one, it was rectified. Based off in Manchester's zone, there wasn't really a great deal of momentum lost. When you blow it for an icing, you're talking a neutral zone face. If you're talking a centre ice face off for a false icing call, at that point you you put your netty back in. You're, you're a centre ice face off. You've just killed any advantage. There may have only been 12 seconds left on the clock, but it only takes a second to put it in the back of the net. But when you're you had to put your goalie back in. It, it was just a bit of a weird one. I just thought two false calls from the line. was just a bit of a mockery. I think that's fileable under bad day at the office. And I, 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 we watched him and it was just like, you know what? But you know what? It's the human element of it that kicks in. So you know, we can we can easily kick them all out show for them too. But they're human. They make mistakes. It were, it, it, I don't think it made an impact on the actual result because... So the game was poor anyway. We were never going to score another goal. So, just... you know, we, we can laugh at it now in that respect. We can yes, laugh at it you now because it's humorous. It's like, oh, that was stupid, weren't it? And we can and, at, at the time, it, scapegoat, it was Challenge Cup. Yeah, it's true. Not, not just the go-to response whenever you play rubbish in the Challenge Cup. It was Challenge Cup. So, we mock it now, and but we do it in a way which, you know, understands that Referees and liners are human. They make mistakes like hockey players do, like goalies, forwards, D-men do. Like everyone does in life, everyone makes mistakes. If we say anything negative about the referees, then we're not a true fan of the officiating. So That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll open it up more generally. As I say, they were just the two points I wanted to mark up. We did not necessarily need discussion on them, but my pet hate, my serious irritation, we've seen it a lot this weekend... But my irritation across the league, not not fan base specific, not specific to anything, not even specific to this season, but my pet hate in the league, or across the sport as a whole, is when people go, oh, we were robbed against that, the referee was rubbish. It's 
so, to coin your phrase, Dave, grinds my gears. It really irritates me because you've lost the game. The referee hasn't lost you the game. I'm going to – some I quoted last season on the podcast. I don't recall a game sheet in Elite League, NHL, EML, Juniors, Pee Wee, Rec, whatever, that has a goal or an assist from the referee. I've never seen that. You nearly had one in the NHL when they shot, when they uh, when they cleared it down, it hit the hit the referee's skate and then bounced in behind the the goalie. That would have gone. That was some, waved uh, off, but that would that, that would have gone as an assisted goal. However, um, you don't see that, and I think people that quickly go, "Oh, referee was at fault." I think sometimes it's a lack of understanding of of. I mean, it's going to sound awfully, but it's, it's understanding of the game. Whereas you know, we heard it when. I think it was the Glasgow game where we had, we considered a penalty really late on and we had the momentum. And then I was like, oh, it's a terrible call. Well, no, it was absolutely spot on. It was a roughing call where our player had his hand round the chest, the carry of the, of the Glasgow player. You know, you're going to call that. And I think sometimes we, again, I throw it back to what I said in a previous way, you know, how you watch the game of hockey is, is up to you. But I think sometimes it, you get more of a richer experience if you actually learn a bit, you understand a bit. Instead of just going screaming, oh, someone such ex-player who oh, I support for, I must call a penalty. He's trying to learn a bit of the game, trying to understand the game. And, and, and when... Because I think, I'll be honest with you, I think our referees are, are a decent level. When you compare it to what you see in the CHL and, and European hockey... You know, when we've watched um, the referees in the Conte Cup of Denmark... Um, when some of the referees, I mean, I'll be honest with you, some of the referees I've watched in the, the World Champs at the top level, which is the creme de la creme, and some of the calls were abysmal. You, you know, it just shows that actually, you know, when we all, we're quick to pan our referees, oh, they're rubbish, they're awful, they're all, you know, oh, you know, we, we should be, you know, they should be refereeing. Mean, I saw someone go, you know, Hogarth should be refereeing, you know, peewee level, and I'm just thinking, Personally, I'm not a fan of his style. However, you look at his calls and how he calls it, more often than not, he's got it spot on. Don't agree with it, sometimes in terms of the flow of the game, but in terms of the black and white and how you should referee and his management style of the game, he's actually spot on. So I think we, we do have, collectively, a decent set of referees. Could they do with more investment in terms of training and maybe, maybe going towards full-time? Absolutely. Always. I, always. I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted to see that we had 20 referees across the UK that were paid by the league to just officiate. And then they could train, they could, you know, be, you know, some people say they, they, don't, they can't keep up with the pace of the game because of the style of player, the improvement of the player that you see in the Elite League. It's, it's difficult to be able to skate up and down. Um, for shifts of 90 seconds, one, you know, 120 seconds, and never mind 60 minutes. You know, the players get to sit down. Referees don't. They may get the other chance when there's a break of play, or we'll just have a breather and then that. But that's it. So I, I think, for me, I'd love people just to <laughs> a bit more of an interest in the in how the game goes and how the rules of the game and how it's implied, you know, implemented. Twofold, you'll understand it better and you'll enjoy it better because you know if you understand it more, you're going to enjoy it more. I mean, I don't know what Andy thinks of this. Um, as someone who plays a lot more uh, rec, rec hockey as I do, but if you understand everything as a, as a fan of player, whatever, you're going to get a better experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think if, even as a player, 
as a fan, uh, it, it's always sometimes it's going to be one of those see at the moment things, you know, where you you got momentum, you pulled the goalie, you've got an extra skater on, got everything going for you, and then a penalty gets called, and you're like, oh, this is this is not what we needed, and and you know, you, it 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 does get to you because you know I've sometimes I've been there, but when you when you get a chance to look at a replay and think, oh yeah, yeah that was a good penalty. It's always that heat the moment, moment thing where you, you want your team to, you know, to pull to pull a goal back or, you know, they've got everything going for them and then it's just been taken away. You are going to feel a bit upset, but it is the right call at the end of the day in, in most cases, if not all of them. It, it's just just that sort of thing, you know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's, I think referees are doing a great job, as they are doing now. Um, I think there's a lot of leagues out there that have worst that have worse officiated than us. So to have the guys that we do have, you know, the, the leaders like Dean Smith, uh, Tom Darnell, referees like that, that other referees can feed off and learn and learn from. You know, These guys have, have been officiating in top levels, have been officiating in the World Championships and places like that. So if they're good enough to be there, then they're good enough to be here in the UK. And I think we are lucky to have them. It's just like I said, it, it's it's just the here the moment place where you're gonna agree with it or or not agree with it. But until you see a replay, that's when you go like, oh yeah, it was, it was. I've been there in both. I, I mean, Andy's only ever taken one penalty in his life, and that was a ten-minute misconduct from the bench. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> All said and done, I mean, I've been there in both. I've had it where I've been it where I've been on the ice and a, a, a referee's called me for a penalty and I've ended up getting myself into a 10-minute misconduct for having to go at a referee for making a bad call. I know that's surprising. It, it happened quite a lot in my first year of UB hockey. And I, I ended up like the first penalty minute taker in like BHU, BHUK, BHUK, Ball of UK. BYHA. BYHA. Ended up like the first like top penalty minute taker in like my first season for the Bears but um, yeah I mean it happens the heat of the moment as you say Andy it, 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 you know and, and I, I get it I, I, it's not so much of an issue I don't mind it as much in the stands we've all been there in the stands where you see something you might have had a different angle to the ref you know you can see the replay on the screen when the referee can't things like that I don't mind it the heat in a moment as you say the frustrations when a player takes a penalty when you've got that momentum you're trying to fight your way back into a game and that penalty comes it's frustrating I have no issues with that the bit that irritates me is then on Facebook three weeks later when people are going oh yeah well we can't win this because the referee's against us no it's all rubbish I think we need to start showing more respect to the referees, to the fact that without them, we wouldn't be sat at Sheffield Arena every week or Brayhead Arena every week or the NIC or wherever you are, wherever you watch hockey, you slag off the referees as much as you want. He decides to stay at home, you end up staying at home. There's no hockey game to watch. That's that's the bottom that's the bottom line, and I I tell you something. I, I mean I've refed a, a, a few times at ball hockey. That's about it. I've done it once at ice hockey because needs must in a charity game to keep it going. But um, who would do it? Who would who would want to referee a game at that level? Why? What? Who? It, it is it is the most thankless job you will ever do. You are never ever going to walk off the ice with both teams happy. You are always going to have questions asked. 
I'll go a step further what you said in terms of respect to the ref. I'd actually say people should respect the game mm-hmm. into in that because it's, you know, it's, an, it's a... I'm not a big fan of cliches, but yeah, if you want to yeah, go down well, that line. Oh, I'll go down that line on the phone. <laughs> you know, it's, an, it's an unintentional accusation that we have biased referees. And, you know, badly trained? Maybe. Referees who could or do... Or Definitely. Maybe. But bias referees, you know, one of the best bent referees who are going to cor- corrupt games by him. Oh, I don't like that team, so I'm going to call. No. No. It's the other thing that makes me laugh is when people complain about how long it takes them to do video reviews. And I just think, I'm not being funny, but they're making sure it was a goal or it wasn't a goal. If, 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 if you've scored a goal, your team's scored a goal, and then they're doing a video review, and you're complaining about the time it's taking them to review that video... The only reason that you're complaining is because you've got a hint of doubt that that wasn't a good goal. Because if that was a good goal, then you've got no reason to complain. Because the referee's going to come back on that ice at the end, point to that centre circle, and you're going to have an extra goal on the board. I'll I'll throw a different sport in terms of how long it could take um, cricket in respect to when uh, in test matches or ODIs where the decisions are reviewed and you'll you actually in when you're watching the games you actually can hear the conversations and the amount of times you'll hear the, the third umpire going you know um, rock and roll back and forth and the, you know they could actually be literally 20-30 times where they've the same players back and forth to make sure to remove doubts right now the thing is no one in the stands or live games I don't believe gets to hear that conversation that the referees are having now, that would be interesting to have on the TV games. Now, that would really be, you know, no, keep that mic up. Keep, whichever referee's mic up, keep that mic turned on. Let's listen to what you're looking for. Because, again, for me, it broadens the, the education of, of, the, of the game for the fans. If it takes them 10 minutes, it takes them 10 minutes, I don't give a damn. If they get the right decision, crack on. If it takes two seconds, get the right decision, crack on. It doesn't matter how long it takes for me. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You're right in what you're saying in the respect of if you're trying to say, oh, they're taking too long, it must be, they're poor, there's doubt. For me, if we want the right decision and we have the technology to enhance that percentage of right calls made, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah, I agree. The last thing, the last thing that I'll say about it is I, I actually like the way the, the Elite League cage book has made some interesting alterations to the rules in the AAHF rulebook. And one of them, which I actually really like, and you said, Dave, the referee doesn't get to sit down. The referee is on the ice from the, the puck drop to the 20 minutes at the end of the period. They don't have a sit down. They might grab a drink, you know, if there's a timeout called or if there's, for some reason, a bit of an elongated break. But other than that, they're out there for 20 minutes, non-stop. And the concentration level that they've got to put in is you know that they've got to follow play down the ice, and it's not a moment where they can take a leg, you know, they can take a shift off. They can't just slow the legs down because they're tired. They've got to keep up with play. They've got to keep that concentration up every minute of the game. And one of the things I like that the league have done is they've altered the rule in the AHF rulebook to actually now say that you cannot talk to the referee at the end of the period on the ice. Any discussion that you want to have with the referee has to now take place at the start of the next period. And I actually quite like that. I think it gives more protection to the refs from a basis that you've not got a coach that's still seeing red and still fired up from the call. And also, 
he gives the referee a friggin' break. <laughs> yeah. He just stood on the ice and 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 gone full pell up and down the ice to keep up with play, concentrating every second of the twenty minute period. The last thing that they then want is some jumped up coach that thinks his team have done no wrong, telling him that he's done this, that and the other wrong. Let the guy go and have a sit down for God's sake. I, I, I just think it's quite, I just like, it was an interesting rule to introduce. And I think from a perspective of actually improving it for the referees, which no, isn't something well. that you generally think of, it's a really, it's a really good move, I think. That no, I agree with that, mate. And there's nothing more you can add to that. What do you think, Andy? You agree? Got anything else to add? Or are we just about done with referees, gents? No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I think one thing I will say is that when you look at players, G players like Jonathan Phillips, Ben Bounds, Matt Myers, players like that who in a few years are, are going to retire. It's this thing about referees as well. You've got, Dar- like I said earlier, you've got Darnell, you've got Dean Smith and a few other experienced referees that as, as soon as they're gone, you're going to be counted on the next crop of referees to be teaching the new ones, uh, you know, putting, you know, just teaching them everything about everything about hockey and that. And it's, it's, it's like I said as well, the referees that we've got who have, who have been at the top level, world championships, is like you want that to continue for as long as it can because we're setting examples to other other leagues out there. So it'd be great to see you know that continuing and just, yeah. I agree with Andy in that in, in respect of that our referees do set the you know set the bar for our level of hockey in terms of you know not in comparison to the Swedes and the Finns you know but the sort of this the second tier in Europe our referees set the standard um, and I like the I like the, of the kind of the fast track of retired players get them into refereeing because you've got to if memory serves right you've got to do a number of years of junior hockey before you can even do rec or low tier semi-pro and you know I'd be happy to see a few referees if, ex-players who want to stay in the game want a referee why I don't know because like you said Joe it's a thankless task um, fast tracked into doing you know do the grades and, and get them in I, I, I'd be all for that um, and you know who knows may happen I know they've, they've, they've mentioned it a few times before um, but no, I, I think oh, to finish for me to finish off in terms of second-tier European hockey, our referees are some of the best. And I think when you get them constantly getting WHF tournaments, world champs, um, speaks, speaks volumes. They, they can't all be rubbish. Maybe it's just fans generally just don't know the game. Yeah. I when, just, when they're saying the same referees are rubbish, they're all for the risk, but they're getting the international gigs, they're, they're doing these prestigious tournaments. Can't be that rubbish if they get these. Well, that's what baffles me when people say pairing. People always say, oh, pairing's the referee. Oh, it was going to be a bad game today. I think he's one of the best referees in the league. He's the most consistent. That is exactly my point. I have no issues with the referee saying, I'm not going to call that. I'm going to let that flow. As long as he calls it with both ways, I don't care. And, And for me, pairing is the most consistent in that respect. But people don't see that. People just see... Or that player liked my tweet three weeks ago, and now he's been it, and that should have been called, and now that he's my least favourite referee. It's just stupid. Come on, on, Joseph. Think of the children. 
yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say I love you, Dave, but that's my opinion, and I'm not willing to discuss it. That's um, fine. <laughs> um, I will say before we go on to the next topic that I actually have to be relatively happy that that Greth is not partaking in this podcast today. Um, it is not going well for the Penguins right now. Um, <laughs> so we don't need to mention it. We can move on. We can just sweep it under the carpet. It's fine. Yeah, but you, what you don't realise is the score is currently 3-1 Buffalo and Conor Sheary has scored two goals. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> However, Rasmus Darling has just scored a very nice goal. Uh, but bringing back on topic, NHL is a little bit further down the agenda. Um, one of the things that I wanted to add this week is standings in terms of where we're at a few games into the league. To coin a phrase for most fans when they lose a game in the Challenge Cup, I'm not so interested in the Challenge Cup right now because I think the format of that, you need a few more games to get an idea as to which way that's going to go. Um, I mean, we've only really played Manchester in a game against Nottingham or something like that. So, you know, there's still... Well, there was still at least a game to go for that. Or two. Um, so yeah, but I want to look at the league because I think I think it's interesting to see, kind of, first of all, for a start, we quoted the top three teams as potentially being Steelers. You know, well, the main three were Steelers, Cardiff, Belfast. Um, currently, with different, admittedly, with different, um, you know, amount of games having been played. Uh, the top three are currently Glasgow, uh, five games, eight points. Fife, four games and six points. And then Sheffield, six games and six points. Uh, Cardiff are currently sixth, but they've only played three games. Um, they've dropped one so far. Belfast are currently dead bottom of the league. Granted, again, only played two games, three points. And they've actually only had one win and one overtime loss. But... You look at the rest of the league, I always think, because they do the points percentage thing, which is what I looked at last year, and it looked like five were going to be really good. And then I put a bet on, and then they weren't. Um, so maybe not the best indicator again, but interesting to say. I mean, Glasgow still staying at the top, 0.8, like, well, 80% in terms of points. Um, Belfast would be second with five, 75% on points. Cardiff is 67% on points. Steelers would be 50% on points, as well as Manchester. So that's a very interesting one with the way the result went this weekend, that they'd both be on 50%. Uh, Dundee and Nottingham uh, would be joint 7th slash 8th on 42%. And Coventry and Guildford would be the bottom two in the league at 40% in terms of points. We didn't identify... or We identified Glasgow as a team that could have had some potential threat this year then they played the first couple of games and really bombed out on their first couple of preseason games and I mean really bombed out on their first couple of preseason games was it against Dundee where they got absolutely smashed both games yeah. um, and then all of a sudden they're in the league they've played five games they've won three lost one and lost one in, uh, sorry won four and lost one uh, what, what do we think to the way it's shaping up so far I mean it's it's very early doors, but everybody knows that games lost in the first few games of the season can cost you a league title. Um, it's, it's interesting as a guideline as to how you know people start. For me, I, I kind of look wait till about 10, 12, 
game mark because then you've got the opportunity because you know like Belfast to catch up because Belfast are only on two games as much as it's nice to see them on the bottom of the league um, you know get everyone up to around 10-12 games and then you kind of get the vibe of like, actually where these teams are the stats of what you just you know put there are interesting it's, it's a good gauge as to where teams are um, interesting to note uh, you've got like Glasgow and Sheffield are like the top goal scorers um, and I think it is currently it is five who are the um, the tightest team on ten goals, but Cardiff are only one goal more, but one game less. So they're around the same bracket. Um, Glasgow, like I said, they, they've over the last two weeks have played some really good hockey, uh, surprised some big teams, and more importantly, on the road, they're not home wins. Teams aren't going to go through up to Renfrew to play them. They've played them in Sheffield, in Cardiff, in Nottingham, and they get the wins. Um, Fitz is getting and playing the ho- uh, standard hockey that's getting the results, and they're not that boring to watch. So we we say we all tipped them to be the potential dark horses, and I think they could be proven as right. But they've got to keep the going. There's five games, six games. If they're the same bracket, 15, 20 games, then you may start thinking. Could they knock on the door of the top four and be one of the team, the top three? That's time to put the cheeky bell. And that's when it all goes downhill. Correct. It's another. Again, it's very, very early to, you know, to truly say well, what will happen at come the end of the season. But it's really nice to see the three Scottish teams, Glasgow, Fife, and Dundee, in the top four in the league because they're usually the, the sort of teams that you see either fifth or lower down. It's nice, it's nice to see them this early, you know, getting the points up uh, and, and, and be where they are right now, which is a great position to be. You know, Fife, who, since since they've come into the league few, uh, quite a few years ago now, 2009, 2010, was it? Like that. I think it was a bit later than that, mate, but... Uh, oh. 2011, I think. Uh, anyway... Considering that that they are a, a very last minute team, you know they put they put together a team very late. If if like you're talking two weeks before the season starts to get a last player, they're doing very very well, and they always have done. So it 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 can't be a bad thing to be recruiting. So like so it, it, it is good to see three Scottish teams in top four. Uh, obviously not nice to see Cardiff and Belfast lower down, but again they've only played a couple of games. So it's, it's, it's very much open. I mean, there's only four or five points between first and tenth. So mm. it, it really is anyone's game. Uh, and, and right now, I don't think anyone's lost lost the league lost the league come September October. It's very, it's still very much early doors, and anything can happen. No, very much so. It was it was late summer 2011 when the the Flyers joined the Elite League. So the, the, surprising they've actually them in their eighth season in the Elite League. Like, surprising, but they always that team that are there and thereabouts, especially in the playoffs. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you at one point in terms of it's nice to see the Scottish teams okay early on, be within the front runners. So we've already mentioned Glasgow, but Fife and Dundee, you know, everyone says oh it's always the same teams. But I, I love it when the likes of Fife, Dundee, or Glasgow. I think Glasgow and Fife may not think Dundee have made the final fours in Nottingham, but I love it when one of them teams make it to the final four. Cause I just think it adds that atmosphere. I think it's something about the Scottish fans that when they go to the, the final four, 
you know, Sheffield will have all the blocks. Nottingham will have all the blocks. Cardiff, um, sing please don't take me home. Uh, Belfast will just complain about Cardiff fans and vice versa. Scottish fans just have that atmosphere. They bring something that's just great. And it just, you know, I remember when we played Brayhead, as it were, in the semi-finals when we won the playoffs when Drew Fats got the game winner. And the atmosphere the Brayhead fans brought was just immense. Mm. Superb. And if you could have the more Scottish teams making that game further in the competitions, you know, a Scottish team making the Challenge Cup final, which for something, you know, for another example, I think it just adds to the tapestry of what we have with this league. Yeah, I'm, the thing that stands out for me at the moment as well with the standings is we often say, and as I just say, like early games shipped, early games conceded in a season can cost when you're fighting for the league. And I think one of the things that, that everybody needs to take into account at the moment, everybody's shipped goal. Everybody's shipped games early doors. There have been some seasons where a team's been so dominant, like like Cardiff, team's been so dominant that five, six, seven, eight games into the, into the league and they've not dropped a game. I mean, Cardiff have played three games this year and they've lost one. Belfast have played two games this year and they've lost one in a shootout or overtime. Like every every team has dropped a point or dropped a game, which is it shows you how much of an you know everyone's game it is this year. And and it is if anything it is the silver lining behind the unfortunate occurrence in, in Milton Keynes. And, and, and you could you could even extend that to Edinburgh in that this year there currently doesn't appear to be a team that you could turn around and say they're going to be bottom of the league. So, yeah, all right, so that's my take on it. Um, the next thing I've got written down, uh, we'll only touch on this briefly because we are, of course, an Elite League uh, podcast. That is the whole point. However... Uh, it is a very special time for hockey fans across the world. Uh, yesterday, or today if you're a Penguins fan, or maybe not today if you're a Penguins fan, uh, or a Rangers <laughs> fan. Trying to if think when the first. If you're a Sabres fan, it's good though. Yeah, let's not talk about Sabres fans. That's fine. Well, it's called giving them sympathy in the in the early season. <laughs> they're not going to have any luck in the postseason. Um, <laughs> But no, it's a, it's a very it's a very special time. It's a very happy time for hockey fans across the world over the last couple of days. It is, of course, the opening of the NHL season as well. Um, hockey is well and truly in full swing now, which is great because it means I can have a hockey game on while we record the podcast. For a start, um, what are we thinking this year, gents? But, uh, like, as a, only as a brief thing, um, you know, last year obviously we saw a, a mass shock in St Louis after being dead bottom of the league in January, then going on to win the Stanley Cup. There's been some improvements in certain teams uh, in the NHL. What, what If you had, we, we asked this last year, we probably all got it wrong. If you had £5 in your back pocket now, you were walking past the Ladbrokes and you thought, I'm going to put this as an outright winner for a Stanley Cup or winner, or winner for a president. So go president and Stanley Cup, who do you put your money on? Because my five was wasted bad last year by Tampa, I'm just going to stick it on the Islanders. It's going to lose, so I might as well stick it on my own team. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not. Exactly so, so, the, so the logic, the, the logic behind it is, I went Tampa because 
the way they played and the, how they strung out the regular season, my belief were the only team that's going to beat them is themselves. And then they got swept. So do you know what? By it's, Columbus. By Columbus. So if I'm going to go, you know, if I'm going to, you know, pick a team, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to logical and how they played, I might as well stick to my own. Yeah, but generally you would expect to pick a team that's improved and not got rid of the best thing that happened to them last season. We just stayed, we just kept. You've not really though, have you? Because you got rid of Robin Leonard and signed Semyon Varlamov. Well, like it's hardly an upgrade or even a sidestep, is it? It's like ten steps backwards. Let's see at the end of the year, mate. I agree in terms of on the face value, but if anything can change, if anything can improve, why not on Long Island? Because you lost Tavares. Who? Who was he? Tavares, the guy who you guys were so captivated by that you had a mass breakdown when he came back to the arena. We, we, we didn't have a breakdown. We just gave an atmosphere that was akin to European football. And an atmosphere of hockey arena I'll never forget, even though I watch it on the TV. So, what an embarrassing one where a team threw its toys out of the pram because the player left the team. Well, it's not the first team, not the last team. Well, this is true. This but is we won that night, so who cares? Dave, I'm going to say something that you're really not going to like, and I'm not saying it for presidents or Stanley Cup, but there is one team who, in my mind, has well and truly improved from last season, and they've just scored as well. Just to you really say the Rags, are you? The Rangers have seriously well, the, improved. The Rags have really improved. I, I any Rangers fan are offended by me calling the Rags, well, deal with it. Um, no, they have, and, they, and for me, they've got the best player um, that they could have picked up in Cabocaco. Absolute talent. Well, I mean, and Artemi Panarin. For me, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, he's good, but for me, Capo's better. He just excites more. He's that. They did a the Dwarchev did a, like a, a video thing of his goals. And he was like a wizard, and he is. He's just that talent, is that excitement, and I think that's what's missing in Broadway. They've had Lundqvist, who's excited with his skills. They've had no one else since. He, not Panarin yet. For me, they have with Capo. So. No, I think you're talking rubbish there. I think you, if, if you're going to pick a player no, that's going to do... I, I, I agree I'm with you in the long run. I'm not saying Panarin isn't, but if you look at... Yeah, but I don't think you can say that, but that Capo's better than Panarin. Like, no, no, I'm not saying he's better than Panarin. What I'm saying is he'll, he'll excite more. If I'm honest, if in my opinion, I think he'll excite more. It. I think he'll excite... My personal opinion, I think he'll excite more. I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think I think we're talking long running Capo in terms of the excitement that he'll bring and everything. I think, but I think Panarin in terms of a player that's been brought in that is going to make an immediate shift in the team. I mean, forget Truber and who was the other guy that they paid a ridiculous amount of money for that was stupid. I can't remember who it was. They paid a ridiculous. He came from Philly. Oh. I can't think who it was. Um, they paid a daft amount of money for him um, but they, they've seriously improved in a lot of areas for me I, I agree with you that in the long run Capo is going to be the player that is the ultimate turnaround but I think in terms of an improvement on this season for a start as something to build off I mean they, they, they couldn't have done better than Panarin I will admit they have brought in good players they have they, their, their rebuild which is meant to last you know, two or three years has lasted four or five months the, the way they brought in yeah. players. Um, the proof of the pudding, though, is to get the results and to be able to play on Broadway. Because that's the challenge itself. It's like being, playing in Toronto. It's the pressure. They go three games without a win. Then the pressure starts cranking up. It's if they can handle it, uh, let's just see. But they, they, in, terms of, in terms of the players they have brought in, yes, they have brought in players 
um, that is an upgrade on what they had. My, my personal I just think Capo is there already. It's kind of that, that next border, borderline Ovechkin, Crosby type player. I just think he's that exciting, he's that talented. I, I think I think New Jersey have shown how I can't think I, I just think they've shown how undetermined and unaspirational as a team they are in the fact that they've picked Hughes over Kako Capo Kako. I, I just I just think just the mind ball I don't get me wrong, again Jack Hughes is gonna be a good player. I mean, it's not in my mind. It's not going to be like Lyonnais or Matthews. The, those two both came in NHL ready, and you could have an argument at the end of the first season as to which was the better player. I, there's nothing like that. This is no competition this year. It's going to be Capo, without a doubt. It's going to be Capo out of those two. And I just think, I, I think recruitment wise, um, I don't know if Jack Hughes' dad had something to do with New Jersey or something like that. And you look at New Jersey, they are very much the bright eye. Uh, you know the the bright blue eyed American boys on the team, and I, I I think I genuinely think that's part of the reason why Capo was discounted. But if that's if that's their identity, that, I mean I don't know what it, it, yeah, that, it's true. They've gone for that identity of the the American you know the true American team, and that's not negative. I don't think that's the the identity that they want to sell the team to its fans and and, and the wider audience. Um, but I'm with you, they they miss the trick for me, and after watching both of them. In Slovakia, they should have straight away, not even messed around, not even had a second thought. We pick number one, we pick Capo. But he's a Rangers player now. What do you think, Andy, as a, as a part-time New Jersey fan who bought a um, a New Jersey jersey that ended up... New Jersey jersey? Um, <laughs> that ended up then reading Slaff Road on the back because some of the letters fell off... Um, what do you think to their decision to pick um, Hughes over Capo? The first thing I'll say is who decided to glue letters and numbers <laughs> on a jersey instead of stitched them, that was stitched the outline of the text. I, I, I don't get it. Anyway, um, it, it's Kevin Hayes, I think the guy you were looking for. That was the one. Philly played for a ridiculous amount of money for, for him in from New York Rangers. So for a player who didn't do anything. Oh, exactly. Mm. I think New Jersey have, have upgraded quite a lot this year. Uh, Nikita Gusev, straight from the KHL, a really really good player. I think he'll start putting up numbers. PK Saban, a good defensive addition for them. Uh, Wayne Simmons Saban. as well. Yeah, Wayne Simmons, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, the rookie who's doing a fantastic job as well. But for me, I, I think the team that could win it all this year is Dallas. Uh, very strong, very strong roster. They've got, they've got Ben Bishop. They've got uh, the, the rookies who are, again, doing a great job. Mira Heiskanen, John Klingberg, Essa Lindell. And they've got the, 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 the more experienced in Jamie Alexiak. Look at the forwards. They've got Jamie Penn Benn. should have never let Jamie Alexiak go. No, they should not. Devastated have. when they let him go. Absolutely. And on forwards wise, they've got Jamie Benn. Uh, Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan, Rupert Hintz, another rookie who's doing really well. Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, Alex Don't Let's not talk about Corey Perry. Dave will chime in with his Corey Perry in a minute. <laughs> But, oh, Scott Perry! <laughs> there we go. I was going to say, don't just leave it with, ooh! 
But their roster as a whole is looking very, very deep. Uh, I think they lack on netmind, did not. I think they do, but in Bishop, a good goalie, one of the top top ten in the league. Agreed, uh, but also the yeah. most injury prone goalie in the league. Other yeah. than maybe Kerry Price. Quite possible, yes, but could have been, you know, he stepped in and done a very good job when Bishop's been out. Mm. So, yeah. Looking very, very strong for me, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I could you know what Dallas is a good shout for an outside bet. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't. I said, and I, I've said this a couple of years ago, with the way that the New York Rangers team were going, Henrik Lundqvist was never going to win a Stanley Cup. And I think that puts Dave in two minds, because as much as I think he'd like to see Lundqvist as the established goalie that he is lift the Stanley Cup, he also doesn't want to see a Stanley Cup go above a blue and red jersey. Um but I, I said last year, year before, I was saying, no way, Lundqvist ain't, ain't winning the Stanley Cup because their team just does, doesn't have what it needs. And then all of a sudden this off-season, it it's like it, it's like chalk and cheese. It, it's, it's unreal. I, I just Some of the players that they brought in, the, the team have really shown that need to push the team forward and improve on last year. I'm not saying they're going to win a Stanley Cup this year, but I can see it in a couple of years if they carry on with the team that they've got with them and push for recruitment. And as, and, as Dave rightfully says, I sort of say, say the only reason that I said I thought he was talking rubbish was because I think Panarin currently, in ability-wise, is a, a more experienced player than Capo. But in terms of the player that Capo is going to develop into... If if they can keep Panarin and Capo develops into the player that like Matthews and Line developed into in a couple of years, that team's going to be a hard team to stop. Particularly with a team with a goalie at the back like Lundqvist. Can you imagine if they've managed to keep Anti Ranta as their backup as well? Well, that'd be interesting, yeah. Just for his pad set up. Of course. <laughs> So yeah, we'll move. We'll, we'll, we will uh, on the subject. Sorry, I'm on the subject of, of NHL uh, right now uh, between New York Rangers and Winnipeg. It's four it's four. I'm, I'm, I'm four, watching four, it. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> literally, just as game. just as I said, I think New York Rangers will do a decent job this year. They scored. <laughs> it was it was quite a, a statement of intent. Um, let's not talk about any of the other results. I don't even want to know what the Pens result is currently. I've turned that game off now. Um, yeah, I'm also disappointed about Bufflin, but we're not going to go down that road because I don't want to cry on the podcast. So We'll save that for next week. Let's not. Let's just save that for a time that never comes. Um, Lion A's back. That's all that matters. There you go. For now. Um, we'll move on from NHL before I start crying. Um, predictions. Predictions. Last week... We weren't too shoddy. Andy wasn't here. That's not a reflection on Andy, because actually the week before, Andy smashed it, I think. I think, I think it was the week remember. before that. Was it the week before that that Andy smashed it? I can't remember. I think it was. I had um, last week. Well, you didn't do too bad. You got seven out of 12, which was the same as me. Gref got six, so yeah, not bad. This week... Um, Dave, you and I, you were, we, we were at the back of the pack, unfortunately, last week. We were on five. Gref um, took the win with six out of, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, ten games. So we were running at about 
Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. Standard procedure resumed. Um, yeah. We'll go through this this one. Uh, we'll do it as usual. Andy, Dave, and then me. Uh, we'll start on Friday. Belfast v Guildford in Belfast. 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 And Belfast, nice and easy first one. Got some Challenge Cup games on Saturday. Guildford, Coventry, and Guildford. 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 And Guildford again. Nottingham, Sheffield, in Nottingham. Nottingham. Yeah, Nottingham. And again, Nottingham. Do you know what, guys? There's not going to be any competition this week if we carry on like this. Um, Glasgow, Fife in Glasgow. Glasgow. Fife. I can't help but think you've just done that just to put just put my point on the last. No, no, no. There's much discussion. Pesky for it, yeah. I'll agree with Andy on that one and say Glasgow. Uh, Dundee Belfast in Dundee. Dundee. I don't know what I was trying to do with them. Belfast. Belfast. And Belfast. Cardiff Manchester in Cardiff. That is a league game. Cardiff. 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 So Dave being the only actual like difference maker in that. I've got making one one prediction different. Um We've then got Sunday, Manchester, Glasgow in Manchester. I think Manchester. Glasgow. Now with Dave, Glasgow. Sheffield, Nottingham in Sheffield. Hate to say it, Nottingham. Sheffield. In overtime or regulation? Shoot out. One of the three options available. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Sheffield on that one. I'm going to be positive. Um, Five Dundee in five. 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 Five for me as well. Finally, Coventry Cardiff in Coventry. The place where it all ended for Cardiff last year. Cardiff. (laughs) Sir Ben Lake. Uh, Coventry. I'm going to go Coventry. Ooh. I like I like that. That was very ooh. <laughs> um, it's got to be Cardiff, hasn't it? Cardiff for me on that one. So, predictions out of the way. I'll plug the social media, and then we go to a very special segment that was overtaken by Sleeping Beauty, uh, who is now asleep knocking out the Zeds. So we go back. To the much awaited, the much anticipated, everybody's favourite segment of the podcast, Stafford Stories, is back, everybody. Um, if you want to get in touch with us on social media before we jump into that, um, it's at MSA Podcast on Twitter. I forgot what it was then. I was just like, <laughs> we, I just my own Twitter. Um, yeah, it's at MSA Podcast on Twitter. It's my fancy Zamboni podcast on Facebook. Drop us your questions. Let us know what you think to what we've discussed today. I'm sure I asked a question earlier on and said let us know on social media, but I can't remember what it was. Um, let us know if you'd rather have a sausage roll or a pork pie, because I never put the poll out last week. Um, but for now, and Andy, I am telling you, I'm going to make you a little theme tune for this segment, or 
Oh, we're gonna get a yeah, we're gonna get a sweater, yeah. and we're gonna go like spitting chiclet style. This 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 episode is brought to you by, I mean maybe steer away from some of the ones that they use on spitting chiclets. Um, so yeah, without further ado, Andy, kick us off into this week's Stafford stories. All right, but before I do, I'll, I'll give you a sponsor since I've got a new headset. It's Curry's PC World. Carphone Warehouse, Dixon's Drake House. There you go. How many companies are you mashing for what? Thank goodness for that. Build Curry's, Dixon's and Carphone Warehouse. That (laughs) were? Yeah, there's quite a few on that one near me. Um, Did they sell you a fridge, an oven and a new iPhone 11 as well? Did you just get the headset? Only in my dreams, mate. Only in my dreams. (laughs) But you did get a mobility scooter. That was half price, so of course I'm going to get one. Good man, good man. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> the only problem was he bought another four for the garage and now he don't know where to put them <laughs> could get a museum going um. <laughs> quite a few strange uh, sites while I've been uh, away in, in, in Czech Republic we went to uh, a Mountfield Kradek Kralov against Sparta Prague on the Friday night when we were there really good game uh it, it, it was just great to see there was there was probably one or two Americans or Canadians playing playing for both teams, and it, it was a very Czech-dominated uh, sort of league. Very, it was very the Steelers fans' worst nightmare. It is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very much so. It's so fast-paced, end-to-end. Yeah, the, the crowd was amazing. They were at the block section, you know. Drumming in time, which is something I've never heard before, which is great, great, great to hear. <laughs> but something, something was very, very strange though. Uh, literally, there was a quite, quite a big concourse, like it was all the way around, and there was a bar. There was a bar with quite a fair good queue going, and, and there was like a outside terrace bit where they had like a patio. There was a hedge, there was a few benches out there as well. Little barbecue I... going. Not this particular time, but hopefully that's all the time. While I was in the queue trying to get a drink, it, literally the, the strangest thing I think I've, I've seen. Where there was a hedge, where there's patio, uh, sort of terrace bits, there's literally 10 or 12 guys lining up next to each other and were literally just whizzing in the bush. Uh, one one particular guy was genuinely concerned when that was. <laughs> <laughs> one particular guy, li- literally mooning, literally full every, everything down, just staring at you, point black in the face, and literally nobody thought of the children in this case, did they? <laughs> <laughs> no one thought of the children. You that one, sir. You're welcome. It's just. It's just the most bizarre thing that I've seen. Just 10, 12 guys in a line just whizzing like in perfect symphony. You know, just... I just I just couldn't believe it. And it's it's the strangest thing that I've seen. So yeah, where's the third you've man conducting it all? I think he was just a bit too far to the left for me to see. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was going to kind of swing this to you guys and to everyone listening as well. As to what's the strangest thing you've seen at a hockey venue? What's the most weirdest sight that you've you've ever seen that you thought, wow? So 
I'll throw it over to you guys first. I've got one straight up. 2000 B&H Cup final, a Newcastle fan throwing a cheeseburger on the ice. Brilliant. Uh, they would have been there from most of the day. They were tanked up. Uh, their game against the Steelers in the B&H Cup final was like the 6 o'clock face-off. They got there at 1. They was in the news from half 1. They were tanked up. And they thought they'd offer Mike Torgy, who was a rotound goalie, uh, a cheeseburger. And even then, back in 2000, it weren't cheap to buy a cheeseburger. So that's probably one of the weirdest things I've seen. Did they pay cash for the cheeseburger? Yes, it was it was cash only. Well, I think it would be, no, there would be card payments, but it was cash, yeah. Um, mine has to, I mean, I feel like for this, you have to just cast your eyes towards Barca hockey, don't you? I mean, Hallam, <laughs> Hallam versus the Dirty Uniov. Um, Ah, just since I just feel dirty just saying it. Um, I mean, for a start, I mean, Dave can Dave can can probably agree with me on this because you you were there this year, Andy. We're going to have to get your tickets this 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 upcoming year because, honest to God, it is the weirdest hockey game you will ever go to. When you there this year, Andy? No, yeah, 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 because we were drinking outside the nose. I can't remember who was there. I apologise. <laughs> All right, well, you can both vouch for this then. Like, it is the weirdest experience of a hockey game you'll ever see, though, isn't it? Like, you yes. can literally just sit there and look anywhere in the rink and you can just see somebody getting thrown out by security. And um, I, I have to say, the weirdest has to be the first um, the first game that I ever went to, a varsity game. It was my first year of, at, at Hallam. And I was sat in the section with all the lifeguards who were just horrendous for a start. There was they were, there was one that was constantly trying to stand in front of me, but stand in front of me like on the same row. Basically, they were standing on in the uh, in on the stairs, and every time the security came, they just kind of shuffled onto the aisle, and then when the security went, they just shuffled back onto the stairs. And um, this lifeguard, and I was trying to watch the game. It's a good game. And this lifeguard came and shuffled his way in front of me and literally stood. So he was basically stood on my on my feet. If I leaned like an inch forward, my nose would have been on his on like the back of his head. So he was, he was banging in front of me, and I literally he was very scrawny, and I literally just grabbed the lifeguard by his like arms, picked him up, and put him back in the stairs. And the, you've got all these lifeguards that have just kind of shuffled the way in, and then all of a sudden there's just this one that I just put back on the stairs, and he just suddenly looked all of, all of a sudden out of place, and then had to like scuttle his way onto a different road to get in. Um, but I have to say that game was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. For a start, uh, they had to tell everybody that if one more thing got thrown onto the ice, the ice, the, the, the game would be, um, it, it would end. They'd abandon the game. Abandoned. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and then they had about six people. And now football pitch invasions, relatively common occurrence as far as logistically, for a start, logistically like plausible. Um, we saw it at the cricket with those idiots uh, 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 headingly. <laughs> but never before have I seen an ice game where six or seven people jumped to the plexi and decided to run across the ice um, only to be absolutely tackled down to the ground by Andy Miller who was ref in the game um, 
I think it became more of a game for the players involved to just try and take out the idiots that were jumping the flexi and running on the ice. But I've just never seen anything like it. There were literally six, seven, eight people that jumped the flexi and ended up running on the ice. Um, which, which has to hands down was the weirdest thing I've seen in a hockey game. The, the best thing about it as well, well I was over there uh, obviously seeing that is that nobody nobody battled back the eyelids like it was completely normal but then looking down at the, at the toilets downstairs and there's no queue at all it's just like a normal thing to do over there so it makes it even more even more crazier yeah actually that's just weird it's just bizarre what a question while we're talking about uh, your your experiences in uh, in the Czech Republic though did they take cash Yes, but their currency is a little complicated when it comes to cash. Because you've got literally one... A beer could be probably about 55 coronas. And and, and it, sometimes you've only got a 200 corona note. So the change you get back, they've, they've, they've got the... like. They've got the coins with the holes in them? No, they're... they're uh. Similar they're similarish to ours. So, uh, They've got a 50p's and the 5p's and that, but sometimes they've even got 30p's. It's bizarre. It, it, it's quite a strange currency when it comes to coins. So that's the one thing I liked about when we went to Copenhagen, the, the currency, the, the, the coins with the holes in, their currency made it so easy to know what everything was. Yeah. It was actually like once you got your head around what that, what each one meant, it was really easy. You, do you know like some, like when you go to America, you look at dollars, like you can't tell oh, between 5 and 10 cents. You look at them and go, what the flaming hell are they? But like this, or like euros are the same to an extent. Like, but then all of a sudden you go to like Denmark, and it was all the ones with the holes in. It was so easy. Yeah. Like I said, with notes, it, it was either one hundred or two hundred. There was no fives, tens, twenties, no fifties. It was always one hundred or two hundred when it came to notes, and it was it, it was God. quite strange. That is odd. That. That is odd. Well, that uh, another another amazing Stafford story to end us on. If you have any more staffs, keep them banked up because we are going to be expecting this to be a regular segment now. The, this is the this is the showstopper. This is the this is the, the the whole thing that people are going to wait to listen to rather than us discuss whether we'd rather have certain cake varieties. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll end we'll end on that another another amazing Stafford story to end on. Um, yeah, gents. I mean, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been emotional. We actually started this saying we didn't know if we were going to have much to talk about, and we're running up over the two-hour mark actually today. So, pretty good going. Um, but for the time being, as you say, at NFZ Podcast on Twitter, my fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Does anybody have anything else to add before we end? Just, it's, it's, it's radio. We don't just put your hand up to speak. I just wonder. No, don't. No, no. If anyone wants to, I just wonder. Thing that may have people may have not noticed, um, but the event that myself, you, and Ian Greff was involved in in July um, announced its final total recently. Um, and my God, what a final total it were that we raised! Um, so, for those who don't know, the UK charity All Stars, but all four of us were representing Team BHF, the British Heart Foundation, amongst one of eight charities. The only way is BHF. The only way is BHF. Um, collectively for the whole event, we have raised 
£130,791.98. Incredible. Unbelievable. Just wow. Just wow. It's just... Uh, that's all I can say in terms of no no pro game, no nothing, just pure fundraising. Just wow. So... As a member of Team BHF, not just a committee member, but a huge congratulations to all the fundraisers, to yourselves, Andy, Joe. We'll say well done to Graf, even though he couldn't be bothered to keep up uh, and be on the podcast. Um, yeah, and roll on 2020. Well, we do it, get to do it all again. We do. We do. I feel like we need some like some podcast fundraising, like some not fundraising per se, like not plug-in fundraising, but some like ideas of some stupid stuff that we can do as a podcast group. Um, we'll, we watch this I'm, space. I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm liking that, yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll cook something stupid, yeah. Well, it seems to be what we can do best of. I mean, last week we asked whether you'd rather have a pork pie or a sausage roll, so, you know. Um, but no, not another nice note to end on. Um, but the last thing I will say before we say um, our goodbyes and go our separate ways... Um, it is just the big word, the the most anticipated moment of 2019. Hashtag cashless gate is a go this weekend. The first time round is now past the 1st of October. Sheffield Arena are going cashless. Keep an eye on social media because I guarantee you 4 o'clock on Sunday will get tasty. Unlike the chips that I will be eating because I can't pay for it with cash. Unlike the chips, because it's a five pound minimum. A bit salty. It's not a five pound minimum. Very salty. A bit, yeah, the chips, very salty. <laughs> oh dear. Maybe people will think twice before spending like seven quid in a diet coke. Never know. Watch this space. We'll find out. Do you know what is going to be amazing in four months' time when they realise the system works and everybody's praising it like mad? Can you imagine? Oh yeah. Yes. Cashless. Goes ahead this weekend. Watch social media as of four o'clock on Sunday. Uh, but for now, Dave, thank you very much. You're throwing that pen around. It's going to be like the AGM. You're going to hit somebody with it. <laughs> I'm getting prepped for Saturday for another meeting. So, uh, and I didn't fall asleep. So I think it's been a productive night. Congratulations. We will just point this out before we say thank you to Andy. <laughs> uh, little, a little treasure hunt for you, uh, for you listeners. If you can tell us the point in episode 43 where during the recording, Dave fell asleep. Drop us a tweet to let us know if you if you spotted it. Uh, a little game for you there. Um, but for now, Dave, stay awake this episode. Congratulations, if, Dave. If you ever do a live, a proper live, where it's no whole bards uh, recording, we may go through the story of that, because as much as it's to my... Um, thing, it's hilarious. So, uh, so you thank you, you and my fancy Zamboni onesie made. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that. that'd be, so, as long as it's you know good good material, we're good. Uh, so, but no, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, thank you, Griff, for falling asleep. Um, and thank you to all the listeners um, who have been enjoying all forty-four of our podcasts. How on earth you're still with us? But uh, you know, keep. That was very presumptuous. Nothing said they're enjoying it. <laughs> They're joining at our expense, not with our expense. Well, you know, if people are laughing with us or at us, we're not really forced. If we're entertaining you, we're doing his job. Um, 
Andy, thank you very much, mate. Very good to see you back from uh, from Czech Republic. It's uh, you know always always good to see you, and uh, particularly in replacement of Greth because he couldn't be bothered to stay awake. Uh, it's nicer this week, don't you think, Dave? It's nicer. It's nicer having Andy with us. Yeah, I've yeah. enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it more. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, Greth. Yeah. So, Greth, if you're listening, consider this your, your this is like your your disciplinary. This is this is you know. You're getting a warning now for falling asleep. A strike. <laughs> this is yeah. This is your first strike. No, well, you get the strike. He's already had about seven. How you many strikes strike. do you get for falling asleep during recording? No, I just get the constant mocking. There's a complete difference to this all. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Joe. Right, we'll go with again. that. <laughs> thanks again, no, Joe. Cheers, but good, good to see you Joe. back. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Griff. Oh, hang on. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for everyone listening. Yeah, I'll reiterate that completely and what Dave says. Thank you to everybody that's listened. Um, you know, 44 episodes and going strong. So thank you for everybody for listening. Dave and Andy, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be back with you next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>